0: you're listening
1: to radio dmg and welcome back to radio dmg i am your host the Dr. Philip Wesley, the Mile High Mouth, the Mouth of the Midwest, with a doctorate in reality and a master's in context. You know what? This is episode 60 of Radio DMG, and I, I really didn't have anything I wanted to do special. Um, I've been so busy with area DMG stuff that Radio DMG has suffered just a bit from that. Oh, in fact I was looking at my files here and I realized that um, we have one two three four five six seven eight unpublished interviews for radio DMG um four of which were published on area DMG which is radio DMG versus. You know, Radio DMG Viral Speak or Radio DMG Versus or Radio DMG Very Small Episode or I don't know. Whatever you want to call that, you know. I had all this audio stuff that I used for that that I haven't used for actual Radio DMG. So this episode of Radio DMG is going to be a catch-up episode, I guess. I mean, it's episode 60. We've got 60 of these done. Ladies and gentlemen, 60 of these. We've done Viral Drinks, we've done Musical Rations, we've done Radio DMG, we've done Radio DMG Pocket, the um, whatever, you know what? We have done 60 of these. With the release of this, this is number 60. And to commemorate that, I guess this is going to be where I catch up on that. So we've got previously published content by Well, it was on Area DMG, so Radio DMG versus content. Okay, let me read through this real quick. Oh, goodness. Oh, boy. (laughs) Hmm. Um, If the audio sounds a little weirder than usual, it's because I'm using the microphone that I normally use for gaming paraphilia to record this today because I still need to finish setting up my desktop area here with the actual boom mic, with the actual shotgun mic, with everything that we normally would have to do this instead of this um, blue Yeti USB microphone thingy with its cartoid whatever and junk. Actually, this is a pretty decent microphone. I've been plenty pleased with this, and um, I bought it specifically so that when we're capturing footage with the Elgato, I could have something to record off of that wouldn't sound garbagey. And didn't require a huge amount of setup. So uh yeah, this thing. Um, to be perfectly honest, I like it. It works pretty well. I will have to add a pop filter to this at some point, because um, yeah. But oh, pretty good stuff. So good. Yeah. Mm. Anywho let's get down to, wait, let's, is that good? I should clap after every word. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, um, <laughs> our audio if it sounds, you know, some people go back and they're like, I removed the little bits of pops or whatnot. And I did that for a little bit, but You know, that is terrible, and they don't do that on the radio. Instead, we have a little button on the radio, like you can cut something, you have a little delay in case somebody curses over your phone line, or a guest says something, but we don't do that over here at Radio DMG. In fact, here's what we got on the lineup today. We have four previously published interviews, Um, that would be Lauren Landa. From 20K 20K15. That's what it says, 2015. Oh god, that's so bad, right? Two years old content. Ugh. Lauren Landa, Marisha Ray, Kieran Strange, and uh, Alexis Tipton. And then we have the unpublished stuff that we hadn't put out yet. Robbie Damon, Chris Patton, Richard Epcar, and Sonny Strait. So we have eight interviews for you today. What we're gonna do is we're going to what we're gonna do is play a little bit of music. The interview. A little bit more music interview. More music. Interview music interview music interview music interview. <sighs> so kind of old school to get this done. Ha <sighs> and um you're welcome. Yeah. You're you're welcome. You're welcome. But uh I know. Anyways, that's just the way it is, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to get through all eight of these interviews, and they're going to be awesome. You may have heard four of them, but I know and guarantee you haven't heard the other four. So, half new content, half old. Seems like a fair way to spend episode 60, and we'll figure out some stuff for episode 61 and beyond. But until that time, ladies and gentlemen, cue the music. back to Radio DMG. I'm your host, Philip Wesley, the Mile High Mouth, and I'm over here at Colorado Anime Fest 2016
2: with... Uh, Chris Patton is my name at this point. Yes. Yes,
1: that's his name at this point. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. just in case people might not remember who he is and what he
2: does, I'm going to ask him again, who are you and what do you do? I am uh, the son of a poor sharecropper. Um, But not really. Uh, I'm a voice actor, and I've Voice acted for um, a lot of different anime titles. Uh, so, so I've been I've been doing voiceover for 17 years, and I've voice acted for ADV, who have now been reborn as Sentai Filmworks, and. And uh, there's an alien being strangled in the background. It makes a really interesting gurgling sound. Uh, I'm, kidding, I'm being silly. Uh, and so uh, I, I voiced for Funimation, Sentai, Ocratron uh, Do Art in New York. Um, yeah, and I've been in somewhere around the neighborhood of 235 anime. And I I narrate buttloads of audio books, and I've done you know commercials and corporate narrate all that stuff that voiceover people do. But primarily I do. Audiobooks and anime. So, Harlequin Books and Hentai, right? That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely, yes. I actually have narrated a few erotica titles in mm. the audiobook world. That was, it's a little awkward, but, you know, you got to give the people what they want.
1: Absolutely, right? Because <laughs> um, those books are all about giving people things. Uh, yes,
2: <laughs> many different kinds of things in some cases.
1: Yes. Uh-huh. Yep. So, you were talking about
2: being the son of a... Uh, a poor sharecropper. Ah, so there's yes. an old, old Steve Martin movie called The Jerk. Mm-hmm. It's like from 1980 or 81, and that's how he begins the story. He's like, "I was born the son of a poor sharecropper," and it makes no sense whatsoever. That's why I just say it sometimes. Ah. And yeah, 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 it's like oh, uh, you know. The worst thing is I've
1: seen that movie. And yeah, I just like whoop. Yeah, we're all like a little bit tired here at Colorado. Animal yeah, we
2: are and on the. Busy. We're on the third day. It's Sunday, and everyone is. Uh, yeah, a little tired. Yeah,
1: didn't you have, like, some kind of run-in with our local edible crop?
2: I uh, <laughs> had my first experience with edibles last night. I had half of a uh, gummy edible, and I found out later that I <laughs> should have just made that a fourth, um, because I, for lack of any better uh, verbiage, got incredibly stoned. Um, and it was mostly a good experience, but for a while it got it was a little touch-and-goey with the, the feels of... Uh, what is referred to, I believe, as uncomfortably high. I was in that situation for a little bit, but mainly I I enjoyed myself. I just know from now on, when I'm in uh, places where it is legal and there are edibles, I will only do a quarter of an edible, (laughs) not a half of an edible. But yes, it was, yeah. I did have a run in, as Mm -hmm. you said. And was that like during your panel or before? No. (laughs) It was right after my Chris Patton shares too much panel. um, And I split one with the illustrious and lovely Kira, Kieran. 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 Kieran Knightley. Kieran Knightley. No, Kieran Strange. Strange. um, Who I've become a big fan of over the weekend. And um, she held hers way better than I held mine. But she apparently is a little more experienced (laughs) with the product than I am. And so I will use that as my excuse. Um, But I had no, I, um, I certainly feel... I don't feel as run down today as I do typically on a, on a Sunday at most cons because I haven't really been run ragged and I've, had an, I've also been a lot smarter this year. Anyone who saw me at NDK 2014 might remember how very, very altitude sick all of us were that year for whatever reason. I've been a lot more careful this year with um, just consuming ridiculous amounts of water and not as much caffeine as I usually consume. And I've only, over the course of the weekend, I've only had three alcoholic beverages. So I've gone a lot easier on myself and I feel pretty good.
1: And speaking about going
2: easy, what do you think about like uh, the convention so far? This is the first year of Colorado Anime. It's Fest. really cool. I I going to first year cons is always so touch and go. Like you never know what's going to happen. I've been to first year cons where there were fifty three people, and I've been to some that were more like this. Where I heard I don't know what the I have no idea what the final numbers were, but I heard that we got uh, that they got close to two thousand yesterday, which is kind of amazing for a first year show. Um, but even, even given that 2,000 people is still the kind of con where there's an intimacy and you can take the time to sort of talk to people and meander and wander around the halls. And I mean, there is still the thing of like, like on Friday, I was just sort of eating lunch in the, in the atrium like restaurant, kind of with two people that I knew by the time I was done eating, there was a little bit of a, a horde surrounding the table of people like asking me basically panel questions. And I was like, oh, you need to duck out of this because I'm just trying to eat my food. They're like, um, hi, I have uh, questions. I want to yes. touch your hair. <laughs> yeah, 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 essentially. Uh, and it's that's cool because you can kind of do that and get away with a little bit of that at a smaller con. But then like, you still have to create a boundary for yourself and be like, okay, I've, I've done this for a while and now I'm going to move on to my room to nap or to have a quarter of an edible or whatever, you know. But it's cool. I like the fact that it is not an overwhelming con, um, especially since I haven't been to one in 14 months. Mm. Um, So it's a good way to sort of get reintroduced into the life. So you took a
1: little bit of a break from the conventions. Um, Was there any particular reason why you did that?
2: Yeah, I mean, so life, at the last time I was at a convention, um I was still living in Maryland, and I was not enjoying life in Maryland. I was having kind of a rough go of things i was uh my relationship with my ex was falling apart and um i didn't I didn't like living in Maryland. the relationship was dying, and so it all all of that combined just sort of put me in a weird place and I was like, I need to just step away from conventions at least for a while and um decompress. Decompress, fix things, so we, we broke up, I moved back to Houston, I've been back in Houston now almost a year, we've been broken up almost a year, and, and I, you know, I have a new life, and I've ha- I have have like a new life in Houston, and I've been working on tons of anime and tons of audiobooks, and I'm working on all these side projects as well, and like, and so now I kind of felt like, eh, it's time to go back to, to conventions, you know, um, so I'm happy
1: I made that choice. It's always a good time to like sometimes if stuff just gets too hectic, yeah. just step back a little bit and like okay. Yeah, reassess, fix things, you know, get back on the
2: on the right track. Yeah.
1: So about these side projects. Anything of note you'd like to talk about?
2: Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'm writing a screenplay is what I really mean. I'm writing a screenplay and um I'm also working, like my band that I used to be in, we're like reworking some of our old tracks, we're like playing with them and remixing them, and we've also recorded some new stuff that we want to play with putting out, but that's not really like such a concrete thing right now. I am, so I'm about to, um, I've reacquainted myself with an old friend of mine from my high school days who's like a world-renowned uh, documentary filmmaker, and he's, he's working on his first feature film. He's actually been, um, He's kind of famous amongst like film nerds. His name's Jonathan Coet, and he had a film called Tarnation several years ago that was huge at all the festivals. And the Weinstein's bought it, and uh, and uh, he has another film called Walk Away Renee. You can see that on on Netflix, and it's it's another documentary. Um, he makes these really honest, sort of jarring, artsy documentaries, and I told him about this movie that's been germinating in my head for about the past 12 years, and he's like, you need to write, you need to write that screenplay. He said, that's actually a movie I've been wanting to make, and maybe we can work on it together. So, I don't know, I I finally have sat down and started, like, banging out at least the the beginnings of the screenplay, you know, and um, so I I can't really, like, I don't feel comfortable yet, like, really sort of talking about it in depth, but Mm. it is something that I'm working on and I'm excited about. But, you know, apart from that, it's tons of voice work, which is good. Is there any way you can give us a hint
1: about what genre it is? Can the I, movie? Yeah. Oh,
2: it's going to be, like, a really... Uh, kind of, sort of experimental, uh, because I'm going to want the people in it to have really strong improvisational skills. But basically, it's going to be about growing up as a, a a weird kid in the 80s. Like, I've seen all these films that portray the 80s, and they, they, and they always show the normal side of life back then. There was a whole cluster of us in the 80s who were the weird, like, new-wave, goth, industrial kids. And I've never seen anyone tackle that in film. Um, and, I think uh, Greg Iraqi kind of tries doing that, but, you know... he Oh, uh, like, Greg Araki?
1: Uh, like Doom would- Generations? Um, uh, stuff like that. I don't know. I, I, okay. I hate
2: to say that. I don't know what that is. Oh.
1: But I think he did, like, also maybe, I think he did Short Bus, a couple other things.
2: Uh, Short Bus is John Cameron yeah, Mitchell. John Cameron, Cameron Mitchell. Um, um, John Cameron Mitchell but if John Cameron Mitchell is associated with him, then I know the kind of films you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, those are... Generations but, is, like, but, but, okay, Parker Jonathan Coet is day. is friends with all that. Oh, yeah. My friend that I'm talking about. He's, yeah. like, he's friends with John Cameron Mitchell and and that whole lot. So. But I specifically, my legs are so itchy from the, it's like the dry skin. Uh, but I specifically <laughs> want to make a, a movie about growing up as, as a weird kid in suburban Houston. And like what it was like to be in the, the we had a really interesting underground club scene then. And, and it was a time, like whenever people think about the 80s, they think about like Cyndi Lauper and Bruce Springsteen and Ronald Reagan. They don't think about like Joy Division and New Order and Depeche Mode and like going clubbing and what it was to like have uh before ecstasy was illegal, and and to be a 15-year-old getting into, like, these crazy uh, new-wave discotheques, like, and, and it was just, it's an alternative scene that isn't much discussed. Joy Division is fantastic. Joy Division, yeah. In fact, last time I, I, like I saw gold New Frap Order, um, I saw New Order when I was in Maryland, and they finished with three Joy Division songs. It was it was a great show. It was mm-hmm. fantastic. Do you say you like Goldfrap? Oh, yeah, I like Goldfrap. In, I saw a, a like very Imagine interesting... Heat. Oh, Imogen Heap. Yeah. Man, I like that she's, um, she's really taken uh, the changing music business model uh, and, and made it work for her. Um, I've heard her sort of talk about that. And she and, uh, and Amanda Palmer both uh, are very savvy musicians and business people that I, whose work I really appreciate. If there's little pauses, we're taking our time to
1: drink our coffee down and all that.
2: <laughs> yeah, caffeine. Yeah, it's, it's early important. in the morning. <laughs> it is. Well, it's not, but it just—it certainly feels that way. Oh, definitely. In Houston right now, it's actually twelve twenty, but anyway, it's like time to wake up. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So that's where I am. So, any
1: particular audiobooks you're working on currently that you'd like to talk about?
2: Man, I'm working on three. Concurrently, I'm working on um, a Disney title called Momotaro. Hmm. Um, it's about is that like about the uh, Peach type um, character? I, I mean, it's based in that that mythos. Hmm. I'm not sure yet what the full. I, I'll be honest with you. I haven't I haven't read it fully yet. I'm kind of I'm right in the stages of prepping it hmm. for recording, um, and I'm narrating the newest uh, Julie Kagawa book. She writes like young adult uh, dragon fiction. Hmm. I'm doing that, and then I'm doing this uh, book by a man named Sean Chester. He's a very independent author, and he write he's writing this. Uh, it's an eleven book series of sort of his vision of the zombie apocalypse. And right now, I'm narrating the fifth book in that series. And I was just nominated for an Audi Award for in nonfiction. Which is like that's, they're sort of like the Oscars of audiobooks for people who don't know. And I was uh, nominated into nonfiction for this really cool book called *The Dorito Effect*, mm. which is a book about um, how junk food in America has changed our brain chemistry and like how we receive taste and why uh, the author is actually able to scientifically trace America's obesity problem back to the creation of the Dorito, which is really interesting.
1: Oh no! I mm-hmm. like Doritos. <laughs>
2: Exactly, and I do too, but that's the, and he says that's part of the problem, is like, we all love Doritos because they're, they're not real food, obviously, and they're very scientifically, chemically made to, just to, not to give us nutrition, but to hit our pleasure centers, and because they hit your pleasure centers but don't nourish you, you keep, that's why you can't stop at one chip, because, Nothing is is being fulfilled in your body, so you keep eating until you're stuffed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They should start doing that same Dorito effect thing to stuff that actually would
1: actually help people, like maybe bug protein or whatnot. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
2: Yeah, like infuse (laughs) it with it. Right, right. Exactly. oh,
1: man, I can't stop eating these crickets.
2: (laughs) Yes. Uh, Oh, pass me that roach. (laughs) Give me that roach over there. And not that kind. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe that kind. Maybe that kind. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway. So yeah, those are the three I'm working on now. And um, anime-wise, I just yeah, that's the problem with animes—you can't really talk about the series stuff, currently... stuff. Yeah. Um, what have I? What can I talk about? I can't. Re- oh, I can say this, um, and this is going to throw a lot of people for a loop because uh, it's been what five or six years. And anyway, uh, apparently, in early March, I'm going to be working on a new show for Funimation. Which, uh, I haven't worked for Funimation since, uh, there was, I did a couple of shows right after Soul Eater, and that was, uh, no, uh, not, what was the show where I played the kid with the wrench, uh, mm. Mobsters, and, uh, ah. Uh, after Bacano, I did, like, two more shows, and since then I've not worked for Funimation, so this is, that'll be a new, like, whoa, working for Funimation again will be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. I it's a show that's been announced and that people know about, but I, I, I can't talk about who I'm playing or anything because I'm, um, anyway. That, you could just
1: say spoilers. Type yeah, spoilers. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So spoilers. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly.
1: Oh, um, one thing about Colorado Anime Fest—they um, currently are doing a, um, they're doing charity auctions and stuff to support ALS. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any charitable organizations or works that you're working with currently, or supporting?
2: I mean, yeah, uh, I did, Kieran has sort of reignited my activism. I I will tell you that my ex was a big activist, is a big activist. In fact, he is now, uh, he works as a policy advocate for the disabled for the Department of Labor in D.C. Mm -hmm. Um, So things have gone really well for him in D.C. but, But the five years I was with him, my life was very inundated sort of by activism and lobbying and, you know, uh, LGBT activism, and uh, activism for the, for the disabled community, and so when I when I broke up with him, I kind of really, I just kind of gave my brain sort of a break from all things that reminded me of him, and, and a lot of that was activism, and, and, but here lately I've been thinking, you know, what am I, you know, I'll I talk about all these things that I stand for, you know. So now, having met uh, Kieran, I join. I'm gonna join the uh, Kaleidoscope project, which I think is pretty cool. It's. I mean, I, it's not a charity, but it's. Um, it is a group that's a safe space for um, not only LGBTQ people, but more importantly, I think uh, our allies. Uh, in other words, just people who identify as straight, heteronormative people who who or cisgendered, cisgen- cisgendered. So it's cisgendered, heteronormative cisgendered, people yeah. who are allies of the LGBT community, and I think they get. Um, they don't get proper respect a lot of the time because even though they are straight and cis, they're willing to kind of put their reputations on the line and maybe even oh. their jobs just to defend people who aren't like them at all. So I yeah, think because that's as, a,
1: as rights advance, there's yeah. always that pushback toward,
2: against that. Right. And um, people need friends. People need allies. Need allies. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of, like, especially younger gay people, don't appreciate allies and I would kind of like to shine a light on that, you know. And um, the Kaleidoscope project is a place where they've got a safe space to ask the "quote unquote" stupid questions. You know, like what do these terms mean? What do you mean when you say blah blah? blah? And without without derision, yeah. you know, without being made fun of, like oh, what Because like are you if you stupid? ask those on Facebook or something, people just jump People attack like, you, Rawr. which is ridiculous. Like, but, I but I'm want just trying to, to just, learn, yeah. right? I'm trying to learn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. That is something that's important to me. Um, I mean, God, I wish I had more not just time, I wish I had, to be honest with you, I wish I had more money, because I don't have, I don't make the kind of money to where I can be, like, a philanthropist. I really, it's one of the reasons that when I sit down and think about, well, why would you like to be making this much more income? One of the reasons is because I would like to throw more money at, at a philanthropical cause. So right now, all I can do is speak up, you know, I can go to marches, I can do things like that, but I can't really throw money Twitter and at social media. Yeah, I can be loud on social media without being obnoxious, hopefully, but, uh, yeah, so that's where I am with that. So speaking about being loud and obnoxious, is there yeah. anything you'd like to go ahead and promote before we leave? Um God, let's see, what's I mean, keep watching Akame Got Kill and Parasite on Toonami. Uh <laughs> although I think Akame Got Kill came to some sort of big finale last night. I think. Kind of. I'm he I'm here so I but I saw the the Twitter was blowing up about um Akame Got Kill last night. Like mm-hmm. something something big went down. And, um... Anyway... Oh, I would like to say that we just got... I think I can say this... So, we just got through recently working on the new season of Log Horizon. Mm. And I play William Massachusetts. And um, he becomes a much bigger character in this season. And that's... I just think it's a really... It's sort of like an alternate take on Sword Art Online. Mm. Um, and I, I think it's a really cool show. Uh, apart from that, I don't think there's anything I can I can talk about just yet... Um, Oh, well, Black Bullet just came out. Mm -hmm. I can definitely talk about that. I play the lead, uh, Rintaro, in that, and that's a really, really fun show. Oh, and I want to say, as of last week, Ghost Stories is up on Crunchyroll. So. With the dub? Yes. Ah, so it's good. The right. (laughs) Yes, the The right. The dub of Ghost Stories is on Crunchyroll, Mm -hmm. so go watch the hell out of that. that.
1: I have a Crunchyroll account. Most people who follow us should too.
2: Yes. So where can people find you online? Oh, God. So, of course, the Facebook. And I think it's just... Well, it's easy. Just put in Christopher Patton. No, no. Put in Chris Patton. If they put in Chris Patton, voice actor, or Chris Patton, Houston, it'll it'll pop up. And what is my freaking Twitter handle? It's like, it's Chris D. Patton. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, and those are the only two... Like, I've I've got a Tumblr, and I've got an Insta, and I've got all that, but I don't... Well, actually, I, I post on Instagram constantly. I'm Chris F. Patton there. That's for Chris Patton. Patton. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> but so, I, so there's Chris F. Patton on Instagram and Chris D. Patton on Twitter. I got a Tumblr that I don't use. Um, what else do I have? That's it's basically it Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah.
1: And thank you very much for doing this interview. Um,
2: yeah, thank I'm you. I'm your host,
1: Philip Wesley, the My Live Mouth, over here at um, Colorado Anime Fest 2016 with Chris Patton. And until that next episode comes out, you are now caught up.
3: Woohoo!
1: Radio DMG. I'm your host, Will Wesley, the Mile High Mouth, and I'm here at Colorado Anime Fest 2016 with
4: Kieran Strange. How's it going? Uh, doing okay. <laughs> it's been like so long since we've seen each other.
1: I know we recorded that concert of yours a while back.
4: Back in yeah, back here. Last time I was in Denver.
1: Yeah. Um, just in case people are not familiar with who you are and what you do, who are you and what do you do? What do you do?
4: Uh, um, like I said, I'm Kieran Strange. Uh, I was born and raised in the UK, made in England very good <laughs> um and I'm a musician I write well sorry do you mind if I start again sorry oh no it's fine again, I... sorry okay <laughs> yeah you, no you, I'm you do things I do things I do things hi uh yeah um my name's Kieran Strange I'm from across the pond um I'm a musician I'm also an activist for LGBTQ rights that's sort of my main two sort of focuses right now I love to write music about geeky stuff and stuff I'm going through that kind of thing
1: so, um, when did you get started in music? What, what, what led you to get interested in music?
4: Music has always been something that's really been close to my heart. Um, when I was a kid growing up in England, I was raised uh, above my grandmother's pub. She owned the flat above the pub. And uh, every night I'd go to sleep listening to the jukebox or to live bands playing. My family, uh, while they're not, you know, they don't pursue instruments or writing music or anything like that, they do appreciate music. They're really big connoisseurs of music. So, I grew up with... Uh, you know, Top of the Pops and and everything on TV and um, my dad playing music on Saturday and Sunday mornings, just waking up to that. So music's always been a really big influence on my life, Um, especially when I was a teenager finding myself, I relied a lot on music to sort of say the things that I couldn't say, so...
1: Any particular artists?
4: Yeah, when I was a teenager, um, My Chemical Romance were a really big influence. Uh, Linkin Park, lots of stuff that had sort of darker, grittier lyrics. They used, really good. Uh, My dad listened to a lot of like Depeche Mode, Spandau Ballet, that kind of stuff. So I got into a lot of 80s stuff as well. Bowie is a huge, huge influence, so... That was pretty rough uh, this last couple months mm-hmm. since We've it's lost happened. a lot yeah. of
1: people in music recently.
4: Yeah, Lemmy and Bowie, mm-hmm. and oh man, it's been brutal. Bowie, I cried for, for days. I didn't stop crying for about three or four days when I found out then, about Bowie. then
1: Alan Rickman, so close oh, to him. No, Oh, I know, and then Alan
4: Rickman, and it's, oh, what's going on? 2016 sucks so far. We've got to make it better. We've got to do yeah, something definitely. about this.
1: It's like, people in music, stop dying.
4: Yeah, please. We
1: implore you that. See, we'll I'm, start 20, for you. I'm
4: 27 <laughs> this year, so I've got to be careful because there's the 27 club mm. so I gotta make sure I avoid that gotta avoid make it a, to my 28th birthday yeah, all the,
1: avoid all the heavy drinking and yeah. driving right and the
4: drugs and the cocaine yeah. and all that well I don't do that anyway so yeah. that's good <laughs> I very seldom drink on tour actually mm. it's it affects my voice too much so I'm that boring person who sort of doesn't drink I'm like nah, I don't so, need no. drink tickets it's I live, all good. I grew up above a
1: pub I know. <laughs> I've done my
4: drinking I did it when I was five it's all good
1: that kind of sounds like a Harry Potter type thing it's like I grew up under the stairs or above the pub <laughs>
4: right it's like and my mom is like super Molly Weasley as well like if you meet my mom she she, like is Molly Weasley. It's it's hilarious. She even knits. It's really cute.
1: And got, like a ton of kids. Oh. No,
4: actually, just me and my brother, and then um, my sister as well. So there's the three of us. Which is, I'm the oldest, so I was the 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 test for everything.
1: The the one that it. yeah, it's like pretty much like oh well, this didn't work with that, so we'll yeah. be nice to this kid. Yeah, we'll be
4: we'll be nicer to this one now. <laughs> no, I was there's, I was truly lucky. I had I had a great family. And, there's
1: yeah. a lot of pressure when you're the eldest, you know. Yeah, everyone's I was like oh, they want you to. Be an example for the rest <clears throat> of the kids. Yeah,
4: I, w- I was th- I was Hermione Granger as a kid though. I was like that swatty kid who like the- we were called boffs in school. Mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know if you guys call them just nerds or mm-hmm. SWATs or like w- what your word is for that kid who's the teacher's Not sure. Path. Yeah, but, something like that. Yeah, that was I was like a prefect at school and mm-hmm. that so I was I feel bad I, I think i led a really harsh example like being like i'm gonna get all a's and now i'm gonna move to canada and become a musician <laughs> so, and they're
1: like oh. ah no he's <laughs> great
4: my brother's great he's got a kid and he's uh he's working a really good job he's gone to the trade so he's doing really well for himself so he's a smart kid <laughs>
1: So did you take any music theory or anything when you were in school?
4: (laughs) No, I didn't. Um, I I would love to take a music theory class. Uh, When I write, a lot of it is purely instinct. Like, I'll be like, oh, this feels good, or this sounds good, or I'll sort of, um, you know, around on my guitar and try and write like a chord progression and i don't think about building the chord structure from a musical theory point of view it's more like oh i i feel something in my gut like it needs to code to here and then i'll take it to my co-writers because most of my songs i co-write i love co-writing it's such a good way to draw stuff out of yourself that you normally wouldn't think about and um, they'll help me sort of fix any of the chord progression issues that I have that I'm just not, where I'm not musically trained. But I'd love to take a theory class. I think of all the classes you could take if you want to be a musician, uh, music theory is great. And also just business management is mm. like super useful to have because I went into this knowing nothing about business. And now I'm okay. <laughs> it kind
1: of sneaks up on you. Just yeah, a you're, you're like, like Wait. oh,
4: gosh, <laughs> I have to market myself. What is branding? Like I changed my hair color and people got really angry at me and were like, no, you have pink hair and I was like oh okay branding is a thing apparently
1: oh yeah so, there's actually a pretty good series of those called like guerrilla marketing guerrilla branding oh cool all really? those things. they're pretty oh, good oh wow yeah.
4: interesting there's so much online like people always ask me like how do I get started as a musician and my one thing I would say is read ebooks read ebooks about social media about uh crowdfunding about how to tour like how to write music like connect with people in your local area like a lot of people think go for the x factor kind of thing yeah. but it's it you know you're way better off just. Down, you know, spend 10 bucks on some ebooks and, and learn some stuff about how to market yourself is definitely right. the better way Another to Another go.
1: good one's like the e myth or, or so. Um, some other, um, one thing about marketing and such is we, um, marketing, the, the other flips coin, the flip side of marketing is activism. And um, I heard you're starting something
4: recently. <laughs> yeah, th- I stumbled into it because um, I've I've always sort of had um, I've always not really known what's going on with myself, gender-wise, and um, I came out as uh, at the time bisexual, but now I believe pansexual uh, when I was 14. Um, so I never really looked at the LGBTQ plus community as like, oh, you know, I should get involved in this because blah blah blah. It, it was more I need to I need to be involved in this. Like it felt wrong to sort of hold back on that and not be myself. I felt like I would get up on stage and be like, oh, be yourself, you know, but I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. And this winter has been, and this last year, 2015 has basically been the year of finding myself and really trying to find out like what's different about me. and through that I discovered that yes I am gender fluid um leaning more male uh don't know which pronouns I want to use so right now I'm using she and he um I plan on you know going to counseling and figuring some stuff out but through that uh I realized that I wanted to help sort of give back to the LGBTQ community and really focus on uh, doing something that is good like I'm, I'm put in front of hundreds of kids on stage and with a microphone in my hand like what better opportunity is there to be an activist yeah, yeah it's kind
1: of like, kinda like, uh, <laughs> like um, when you're we growing up kind of like the old big sister big brother type thing yeah totally where you, yeah. when you're in that community you realize hey there are people who are newer to this community yeah. I'm just here I have to set an example for the people who are just entering this thing.
4: And also I learned so much. Like, I mean, uh, I'll get more onto the project that I started in a second, but I've learned so much just through, I've run some panels, uh, some LGBTQ plus panels at conventions. And from the people who come in, I learned so much about myself or about other lifestyles because I'm still learning too. And I think it's really important for us as activists to say, well, you know, I, I don't know everything. Like we're still discovering everything. I don't know what i am or who i am i don't know i don't really know much about um about uh uh polysexuality or uh, um, open relationships that kind of thing like i'm not very educated on that so if i meet people who are in open relationships i like to sit down and be like do you mind educating me like tell me like and you have to (laughs) have a
1: safe space to be able to ask those questions because sometimes people get really upset when you're like oh I don't want to tell you about this personal thing and you have to be yeah, careful about well, like uh
4: It's it's yeah, so easy. I mean the
1: information part is the hard part.
4: Yeah, and the the word trigger gets thrown around a lot, but it, it is something we do need to address. And while I don't, you know, nobody really has the ability or the right to go through life trigger free. We're all going to be triggered at some point, and it's sort of the way we deal with those triggers. But transgender people have so many triggers. Like when we're all different, we all Get triggered by different things. Um, I knew um, I knew a trans woman who was very triggered by me asking about her, you know, the, the gender she was born as, the sex she was born as, and uh, it's different for every trans person. Some trans people are totally cool. I'm totally cool with talking about where I came from because I feel like it's still a part of me. But some people don't want to talk about it. So it can be very difficult for them to be asked questions about their transition or what they're doing or uh, what being transgender is. And to be asked questions that might be a little grating. Like, And, and you know, when, when allies are coming in and, and, you know, everybody wants to help. Like everybody who wants to be an ally doesn't want to offend anybody. That's the bottom line is no one wants to offend somebody. But it, it's going to happen because... You know, when allies are coming in and they're new, they don't know the proper linguistics. They don't know. Um, I, there were a bunch of words I didn't realize I shouldn't be using. Um,
1: it's like the um, the um, like dwarf and um, the yeah, other one. Um, the midget, the midget and midget, yeah, little like, person. Not, yeah. And there's so many so, different like that, yes. terms.
4: And um, for me, the big the big thing I wanted to do was I wanted to create something. There was two. There's two main goals I wanted to create with lgbtq plus community and the nerd community and the convention community because there's so much crossover between the two which i think is a lot to do with the fact that the nerd community is super accepting and cosplay is such a great way to test out dressing as your preferred gender and your actual real gender so to me uh it was a no-brainer that there needs to be somewhere for lgbtq plus nerds like we need a we need a thing and there's there's things out there but i wanted to start one that i could promote at conventions and you know I'd meet someone in Portland and be like oh you love my friend Chris from Indiana or something and I'd want to put the two together so I started the Kaleidoscope project uh, which you can find on Facebook and it's basically uh, it serves two purposes one is to inspire and support and encourage people who are maybe transitioning or thinking about transitioning or questioning questioning is like a really big part of it as well, right? Mm Because you don't know, like, a lot of this is us finding out and experimenting and deciding what we do and don't like, and having a support group who have been through the same thing, I mean, for me talking to other people who are either F to M, or, which is female to male, or who are gender fluid but don't want to say that they're F to M, like, it's it's good for me to kind of talk to both and get an idea of where I might sit, Um, and the second one, which, like you said, creating a space for allies, Um, I wanted to create somewhere where allies could ask questions Um, Because allies are going to ask questions And I've done it, I've offended people Like I've accidentally offended someone Uh, One of the questions we got asked was uh, I I think the phrasing was uh, A man trying to become a woman And you know we gently Explained like we don't refer to it as this because it's it, then we explained why it was disrespectful and he was really grateful that we had explained it and you know if he'd been screamed at by somebody then he yeah. might go well it's the f you yeah, i don't want to help you out yeah, yeah.
1: that's that doesn't like that doesn't it doesn't build any positive relationship with that and speaking of positive things um what do you think so far about colorado anime fest 2016 man
4: i love it you know what the amount of people i've seen walking around and i've we, i've just been like you know because when i see attendees yeah. i'm like oh how's your con going and they're like it's really good i love it and I'll be like, it's amazing. I can't believe it's a first-year con. And right, people have gone, know, right? it's a first-year con?
1: I know. There's just this, this great energy totally. about it, right? It's. I mean,
4: um, I got here on Thursday, and I was, mm-hmm. I was in a down place. I wasn't feeling good. And I was like, how am I going to get through this weekend? By Friday well, energy afternoon... just lifts you up. Yeah, man. By Friday afternoon, I was just like... I was in my zone. I was just so happy. Like, everyone has such... Like, the staff and the volunteers, and every guest here is a sweetheart. Like, everyone's super lovely. And, like, all the staff and the attendees. Like, everyone's just so... Everyone's just happy. I don't know if it's because it's so sunny here. Oh, yeah. It's it's been really, really nice (laughs) this week. It's been really nice. Mm -hmm. It's cool. um,
1: Yeah, Colorado is brilliant beautiful around here. Um, One thing I've noticed at a lot of these conventions is there is that energy about that. That that great energy. And I think this would fall into your Kaleidoscope project as well, in that um, when people leave the convention, though, and go back to their... "Quote normal end quote li- um, lives, whether they're dealing with family or bullies or school or work or whatnot, they tend to just lose that energy completely yeah. and flatline, kind of a p- post-con depression. It's, yes,
4: con depression. How would yeah. you
1: expect? How how um how would you suggest they help deal with it? How- What would you suggest people do to help deal with that?
4: Uh, My big thing, because I get major con depression, Mm -hmm. um, the thing with me is because I do like a bunch in a row, is like I don't get it until right at the end. (laughs) I get like five cons worth all at once. Mm -hmm. The one thing that always, because like the drive home I'm always really buzzed and Mm -hmm. then you get home, the one thing that really inspires me to keep going is like that energy you feel when you leave the con and you're like next year I want to do this cosplay and we're going to do this and I want to book this room and like maybe I'll think about doing this or running this panel like don't wait, just like start planning like start planning how you're going to do that cosplay um, make friends at the conventions, uh, find them on Twitter um, Twitter has a great listing feature mm-hmm. so you can just basically Take everybody you've met at conventions, that's what I do, and mm-hmm. list them. I've got a list that's like, cool people I've met at cons or something like that. Yeah. And so I've, you know, I can keep in contact with them. And, you you know, the social media is so cool. You can um, just... Keep, keep that energy together, going, yeah. yeah like keep, keep it, it going it online. using the social media. Just keep swimming. Yeah, totally. And yeah. all of the cons have, um, or at least most of the cons I go yes. to, have Facebook pages and groups. And the groups are great. The pages are more for the cons to advertise, mm-hmm. but the groups themselves, I'm pretty sure Colorado I don't know, has a group. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well, with the social media girl we have, it yeah, definitely yeah, has a group. She's magic. Oh, definitely. Oh, she's so good. And so, um, yeah, join the group and just, like, keep reliving that energy and, you know, post in yeah. the group and enjoy the group and turn the group into a community. Like, post about, like, you know, oh, who's who's excited for season two of Attack on Titan? Yeah, that like, type of thing. That's yeah, going to be totally, awesome. Yeah, like,
1: totally. So, oh, before we get going, um, this is uh, the last question. Sure. Um, Is there anything you'd like to pimp or promote before we go? (laughs)
4: Um, Let me think. Well, obviously the Kaleidoscope Project is Mm -hmm. something I really, really want to pimp out. And where can people find that? Um, It's on Facebook right now. Um, It's I think it's forward slash groups forward slash the Kaleidoscope Project or forward Mm -hmm. slash group forward slash the Kaleidoscope. One of the two. Or if you just search Kaleidoscope Project, um, the color scheme is like a cream with like a bunch of pastels, so that's Mm -hmm. the easiest way to find it. Um, My other thing, I guess, I'd love to pimp out would be uh, I have an Etsy. I started being. I, I I fall asleep in the car. Anybody who is like. My social media knows that I fall asleep in the car on tour and it really pisses off my managers. Like, anyone who's tour managing will take photos of me and be like, Oh my gosh, like I can't, she's asleep again, like what do I do? And so, I've discovered that if I make buttons on the road, I can, it keeps me awake in the car. So, I started a button making business and it's really fun, like, I love it. I get to make comic book buttons and uh we do pronoun buttons. We do uh the Kaleidoscope project has a series yes. of buttons that we've done. And I do all the graphic design and cutting and smashing myself. And uh that's Adamantine Arts. Adamantine
1: Arts. Like the uh Adamantine, Adamantine Hearts. Yay, like, hey, yeah, you, you got know, it.
4: Yeah. I was so absolutely. so happy when I came up with that. I was like, like yeah, oh,
1: that works. And it's good for branding.
4: <laughs> yeah totally. Um, yeah,
1: thank you very much for doing this interview. Oh thank you for um, having
4: me. It's always super yeah, nice yeah, chatting to you. Man. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I wish we had a little bit more time. But oh it's, it's all fine. good. No it's all worries. Good. Anyways uh, um, thank you very much for doing this. Um, this is your host, Philip Wesley, the Mile High Mouth. I've been here at uh, Colorado Anime Fest in this 2016. Room. Absolutely, with
4: with me, Kieran Strange, musician and person who does stuff.
1: Yes, person who does stuff. <laughs> and until the next episode comes out, you are now caught up. It's their 20th anniversary and I'm here with...
5: Alexis Tipton! (laughs) Hi guys!
1: Just in case our studio audience doesn't know who you are and what you do, who are you and what do you do?
5: Um, My name is Alexis Tipton, as I said, and um, I am a voice actress based out of Dallas, Texas. Um, I work predominantly for Funimation Entertainment, um, dubbing the anime. Um, I also do work for Okatron 5000 Studios in Dallas, Texas, Um, and I also work for uh, studios out in Los Angeles dubbing video games and anime. And uh, I'm also a uh, film and theater actress as well. (laughs) So what attracted you
1: to acting and theater?
5: Oh goodness, Uh, well I did get my start in theater. Um, I started as a very small child. Um, I think I kind of didn't have a chance because um, my mom is very, and always has been, even before I was even a thought. has always been very involved in the arts. She's kind of an artistic jack of all trades. She does it all, um, and uh, so between that and the fact that my dad and a lot of members of my extended family are also very supportive of the arts, um, I was very lucky to receive a lot of um, culture from a very young age. Uh, you know, ballet, live performances, um, museums, all kinds of things, and so. Um, you know, I, was, I was very much touched by that world um, from a very young age and uh, my very first live performance of any kind that I ever saw was um, a professional touring company of the Nutcracker Ballet and when I saw that at the tender age of three years old <laughs> um, I knew that I wanted to be up on stage doing something I knew um, I didn't understand it because I was, I was so young but I later discovered that I It had given me this amazing feeling watching this story live and and experiencing what these amazing incredible dancers had to offer and I knew that in some way I wanted to be able to give that feeling that I had received to other people, Um, maybe not through dance, maybe, you know, I'm still kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, but um, from a very young age, I knew that there was power in that and um, I wanted to be a part of it. So um, my mother, being who she is, uh, very much encouraged that. Um, and I started studying theater and found that I really loved it and have just continued <laughs> since I was very small to, to learn and to grow um, and it's just, it's just been an amazing part of my life. It is my life. <laughs> what was your first
1: performance in theater?
5: Oh, goodness. My, if you want to be real technical, my very first performance in theater was in kindergarten when we did um, a Peter Rabbit uh, play. And I was one of the three sisters. I think it was Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail. And I think I was Mopsy. Um, but my first true play was that in third grade, uh, my school, I grew up in Kansas, uh, my school had this tradition of every year the third graders would put on the same play so like we knew it was coming. Um, and it was a, <laughs> it was a western retelling of Cinderella called Clementella. I know. It's got all those little
1: uh, with the fringe and the top. Yes, yeah, instead the of a glass slipper,
5: stuff, it was a silver cowboy boot. But um, <laughs> I got cast as Clementella, and it was a lot of lines. Um, it was actually kind of a lot for a third grader to handle, but, like, I was so excited, and after we did it, I was hooked. Um, and just kind of continued from there, but... Yeah. Clementella.
1: (laughs) What part of Kansas?
5: Wichita, Wichita, Kansas. Yeah, I was born in Wichita, Kansas, and I lived there until I was nine. So,
1: So. in the only two actually inhabited sections of Kansas. Right,
5: yeah, it's big enough to be on a map. So, (laughs) there was that. (laughs) Could have been worse.
1: (laughs) I've driven through Kansas so many times. I'm sorry. (laughs) Well, there's, I mean, at least you didn't say like Colby or Celine. No, no, I mean, it,
5: it, I mean... By Kansas standards, it was a city. Um, Just not by other standards in the United States. But no, I've actually been back in the last five or six years. An old friend got married, and my whole family um, went up for the wedding. And the town, I can't recall it a town anymore, the city had really grown up. It's kind of Starbucks now. Yeah, well, I hadn't been there in like 15 years. And I was like, oh, and I was seeing all these people from my childhood, and I was like, like, that hadn't left. Like, my family not I a joke. You either stay in Kansas for the rest of your life, or if you, quote, unquote, get out, you do something really unusual with your life. Everyone I know who's gotten out has a really unusual job. Um... So yeah. Escape <laughs> from Missouri. There you go. So, yeah, you feel it. Yeah, much. you feel my pain. <laughs> no, it was a great place to grow up. I have I have no regrets about being a child in Kansas. It was it was a really great place to grow up. And when you stepped outside, you could see across the state. Right. Not bad. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but my family moved to Southern California when I was nine, and then of course like the the Dorothy jokes never ended, you know, oh, because you're not in Kansas anymore, I'm like, oh, I haven't heard that eight million times. You just want to give them a toto to the teeth. Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so, and then um, I moved to Texas uh, when I was in middle school. I've lived in Texas, the longest out of all three states, so Texas is home. So how'd you get tricked into voice acting? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, uh, as I said, I've been been doing theater for quite a while, and um, when I moved, to Texas in middle school, um, I had, even when I lived in Southern California, um, my elementary school uh, when I was living there actually let out at two o'clock in the afternoon because we started so early, and so when I would come home, um, I had enough time to watch the entire tsunami block, like the original tsunami. And uh, I didn't know it was called anime. I just knew that there were these really cool cartoons on TV. I really enjoyed them. They were just different than, you know, like Looney Tunes or, you know, Animaniacs or whatever. Stuff on Cartoon Network. And um, so, you know, I, I enjoyed it. It was something my brother and I enjoyed watching together. But we didn't know what it was. And it wasn't until I moved to Dallas, um, this, this group of girls that kind of adopted me into their, their group of friends that I'm actually still friends with today. Um, they were big fans of anime. And uh, that was sort of um, a a conversation that they had with me when they were introducing themselves they asked me if I liked anime and I said do you mean like like animation like I never heard that that word before Um, and they started explaining it to me and I was like oh that's what I've been watching yeah I know what that is Um, and so fast forward um, when I was a senior in high school um, I had been really competitive and really involved with theater for about the past five or six years. Um, and, you know, anime had become a growing hobby for me, and, uh, I found out that Funimation was located really close to where I lived, um, long story short, uh, got the necessary information that I needed to submit, um, my demo reel, my resume, all that good stuff to be considered for an audition, I was lucky enough to get called in, um, and, I am almost eight years later. (laughs) Success! Yeah, yeah. I just thought thought it was going to be one of those things that, you know, maybe I I got called in for a few small things and then it would just sort of like fizzle out and that would be it. And I just kept getting called back and I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to say no. (laughs) Like, this is amazing. That's funny. Yeah. And um, I initially auditioned for them my senior year of high school, but I didn't start working like working, working, working for them steadily until uh, I was a sophomore in college. And so, you know, being 19 years old and like getting to do all this like really cool stuff, it was, it was just amazing. Um, you know, going to school full time and then, and then acting after school. So uh, it, was really, it was really cool. It was really interesting. And then I had something cool to share with all my friends because they were really excited for me because they knew what anime was. And um, my family was excited for me because they knew that I was getting to combine, you know, my my passion for acting and my, my hobby that was anime. So, really cool. Do you get to
1: get sent out to places like this. Like exactly, yeah. Stuff. And
5: that, that took, you know, because when I started working, it took about a year for things to come out. So there was sort of this, like, year or two where I had, uh, you know, a number of credits, but I either couldn't talk about them or they weren't out yet. So I couldn't oh. share them with anybody. Um, but then when I started getting to do conventions, I, I've always just loved travel. And, and I've been very... Um, Fortunate to have parents that thought it was important and had the means to, to allow my brother and I to travel with them um, So when I started being able to travel for work and, and get to just talk about this really fun job that I have and get to talk to people that like the same things that I do and, and you know network with other actors and other professionals in this industry and um, Yeah, it's, just, it's been amazing. I've gotten to go to so many places that I Never would have had a reason to go to <laughs> um, and just met so many people, so many amazing people along the way. So, yeah. So what do you think of uh, Nondescon so far? This is my favorite convention. Um, I- I've been doing conventions for about six years. Uh, I've been to a lot and uh, this is my second time at convention, uh, at MD, uh, <laughs> words, I talk for a living. Yeah. It's <laughs> my second year at Nondescon, and. I just, I've been to some amazing conventions, but this one is on another level. Um, Not just because of the convention itself, but because of um, how myself and the other attendees are treated and how we're provided for. I mean, I feel like a princess when I come here. Like, (laughs) it's incredible. And then you have beautiful Colorado, beautiful Denver. It's a perfect time of year. a lot of me and the other actors joke that like if, if something falls apart back home, like we would totally move here. <laughs> it's oh, just yeah. amazing. This, is, this <laughs> is literally
1: where the capital is in yeah. Wonder
5: Games. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah oh, um, like, we so, just have so much fun.
1: So which Disney princess do they make you feel like?
5: Oh, God. <laughs> All of them. No. <laughs> oh, no. I, I, they just... And sometimes I feel bad because we are so well provided for, like, you guys, oh my gosh, like, I don't want you to think I expect this, you know, Um, but everyone here is just so amazing. And I've noticed um, uh, last year and this year that a lot of the staffers at this convention have been doing this a long time, that they're very emotionally invested in this convention, and there are a lot of family members that do this together, that have been doing this together for a long time, and... Um, the pride that the volunteers and the staff have in this convention is, is very evident and it shows through in the execution of the events and, and um, how everything is set up, and um, even just in the emails that I receive leading up to the event. Like, it's just it's so organized. It's like, that's <laughs> it's
1: not a hey, you showing up?
5: It's <laughs> a dream. Well, sometimes I don't even get such a dream like i wish that that some representatives of ndk would give seminars to other conventions on like how to have a really successful convention and as you said you know it's the 20th anniversary so they must be doing something right <laughs> for 20 years yeah exactly so i just i'm always so thrilled to be here it's amazing
1: so um would you say the energy of the convention is pretty good
5: oh of course yeah and i um so many uh, It's always really nice when I get to come back to a convention that I've been to before because I see so many familiar faces. Um, And I've I've also learned that the attendees of this convention are just as loyal as the staff and the volunteers. In fact, a lot of volunteers are also attendees. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, everyone is so sweet, so polite. I never have any problems with anybody. Um, in panels or on autograph sessions. Uh, I mean, everyone is just as sweet as they can be. I, mean, I think it's just something in the clean mountain air up here, like... <laughs> there's lots of stuff in the clean mountain air. That's true, you know. It's not I, always clean. There's, there's a political statement in there, <laughs> <Yeah>. and... Oh, <laughs> um, no, but I just, I'm always so impressed with every yeah. aspect of this convention, um, the attendees included, so... Yeah, um, one thing I've noticed at a
1: lot of conventions, because we do cover a lot of conventions ourselves, mm-hmm. um, there's like, a lot of energy around here, a lot of really yes. good, positive energy. Mm-hmm. And people go to these conventions and they're just bouncing off the walls, they're just happy. It's, it's, yes. it's, a, it's a great little high. Yeah. They have that, they have that, that wonderful energy. Mm-hmm. But, when Monday or Tuesday rolls around, <laughs> yes. when people are going back to like their schools or jobs, yeah. or their <laughs> bosses, <laughs> they tend yes. to lose that energy. Do you have any tips for how people can keep that energy?
5: Goodness, I, I think one of the reasons, um, and, you're, and you're absolutely right, everything that you just said. Um, I think one of the reasons why non-discon and conventions in general, especially successful conventions that that, that provide a wonderful space for attendees to, to come and you know let, let their their freak flag fly, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and um, express the love for their fandom or fandoms, um, is that unfortunately and I think it is becoming better, I've certainly seen a change even in the last few years. But unfortunately, with so many pop culture things, there, there is the, you know, the, the word nerd associated with it, and there are people that want to bully people that um, are interested in anime or Disney or sci-fi or what have you. Um, and luckily, you know, quote-unquote nerd culture is becoming more mainstream, and so I think that's, that's sort of pushing the bullies out. Um, it is is still present. And I think the, um, the wonderful positive energy comes from the fact that so many people can come to an event and know the second they walk through the doors that they have at least one thing in common with everybody here. And that feeling of inclusion, that feeling of acceptance before you even start talking to people, is just, it's in the air, it's in the walls, you know, it's, it's everywhere. And so I think that energy might dissipate because then they realize, especially if, they are the unfortunate victims of bullying because of their passions, that now they have to go back to school where it, it's not this kind of community. And so, um, that's why I said, I use the term reality, like it kind of sucks, you, you get to come to this utopia for a weekend and then you have to go back to real life. Well, in some cases a zootopia. Exactly, um, but I think, uh, to answer your question, I think to keep up that energy, I think it's so important to just find people outside of a convention that love the things that you love. Um, if you're in school, especially if you're in college, um, usually most college campuses have an anime club. Um, a lot of high schools are having anime clubs now, or video game clubs, um, or whatever your passion is. Um, a lot of public libraries have anime clubs. Find a place where you can go that you, you get that same sense of belonging. It may not be on the same scale, but you will still have those people that you know, I automatically have something. And like so many other things, I think it's just about feeling accepted and feeling validated and knowing that it doesn't matter what you're interested in, as long as you're not hurting someone, who cares? Like, and if it makes you happy, that's all that matters. So I think just finding a sense of community outside of anime conventions, even if it's an online forum. Um, because I've also noticed that bullies are less likely to target people that move in groups. Um and it doesn't matter what they think. Uh, you know, if they still think that what you do is is you know, beneath them or whatever, if you have a group and they see how many people are rallied behind you, they're going to back off. Um, And also just keep in mind that bullies are just sad individuals that don't feel like they belong anywhere. So um, don't let the bullies get to you, find community and and carry that energy from the convention into your communities outside of the conventions. Make the world a better place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, on a slightly lighter note, well, definitely lighter note right. before we get going. Um, is there anything you'd like to uh, promote or let oh. us know about? Um,
5: well, Funimation um, later this year is coming out with uh, a redub of The Vision of Escaflowne. Uh, very exciting. Um, we premiered the yeah, first. Yeah, I two. remember the original dub. Yes, for that. I still have my box for that. Oh wow! And my blu rays. Wow. Um, well, we're, we're, we're re-dubbing it, and it's, it's uncut because the original Escaflowne dub was cut because mm-hmm. they were trying to appeal to younger audiences at the time. Um, but when we release, uh, and I voice Merle, I'm really excited about it. Um, but when the Vox set is, is released, just know that you will have access to not only the original Japanese, you'll have access to the original dub, and you will also have access to the new dub. So you'll have three dubbing or two dubbing options and then the original Japanese. So if you still love the original dub, Escaflowne dub it's still going to be provided for you. Um, I hope you'll give the new new dub a chance. Um, we we're all very passionate about it. Um, we we're so excited to, to um, you know, appeal to new fans and bring new fans into the Escaflowne fold, but it's also very important to me and the rest of the cast to also have the blessing of, you know, the original fans. So um, that's definitely something to look out for. Um, also, um, if you want to see anime faster, I recommend uh, signing up for Funimation.com's elite video subscription. That is a a sort of Netflix for anime on their website. Um, You get streaming, uh, dub and sub, hundreds of titles. Um, All these series will be out on DVD, but you get to see them ahead of everyone else. So um, it's also Funimation's uh, a way to cut down on pirating. So it's really, really helping the industry um, because Pirating kills the industry. <laughs> it kills the industry in America. It kills the industry in Japan. So do what you can. Support the industry. Buy legal dubs. Check out EBS. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> you guys also have
1: like those, uh, the um, simulcast too on that, right? Same thing. Mean? Yeah, yeah. Broadcast,
5: sometimes they're called simulcasts, sometimes they're called broadcast dubs. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Um, same thing. But um, it, it's a wonderful initiative uh, and we're getting in so many new shows. So definitely check it out. So, where can people find you on the internet? Oh, I'm very, I'm most active when it comes to social media on Twitter. Um, You can follow me at AlexisTiptonVA, VA VA is in Voice Actress, Um, and yeah, and Twitter's probably the best place to find me. I also have a website uh, if you'd like to send me fan mail, it's just alexistipton.com.
1: And um, so, Twitter's your favorite haunt?
5: Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much. this has been um, Radio DMG. I'm your host, Will the Violet Mouth. I'm here at uh, Nondescon 2016, their 20th anniversary with...
6: Alexis Tipton. <laughs>
1: and until the next show comes out, you are now caught up. Radio DMG, I'm your host, Phil Wesley, the Mile I Mouth, and I'm here with
0: Lauren Landa. And we're at
1: Non-Descon 2015.
0: Woo, Woo.
1: <sighs> <laughs> It's been a long, long convention so far.
0: Yeah, it has. Mm-hmm. It's been a lot of fun though.
1: So um, we've um just in case our listeners forgot who you are and what you do. Again, who are you and what do you do?
0: I'm Lauren Landa and I'm a voice actress from Los Angeles, California. I've done the voices for Kasumi in Dead or Life 5, Annie Leonhart in Attack on Titan, Yon Leishan, Soul Calibur 5, Kyoko Sakura in Madoka Magica, uh, and most recently, and many others, but most recently I was announced as uh, the new Sailor Neptune in Sailor Moon. Yeah.
1: That's a pretty exciting thing, so um, what have you been up to since the last time we've talked to you?
0: Getting cast as Sailor Neptune. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's the highlight of my life, I have well, a character! Well, that's the only thing that I can talk about oh. as of right now. So, but yeah, there's been there's been a bunch of other stuff, but that's been a pretty big part of it. And I can't believe that half this year has already gone by already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of scary.
1: I know, well actually more than half of it. We're in September. I know, oh, it's goodness. almost
0: holiday season.
1: It's almost time for us to start hanging out our Christmas jack-o'-lanterns. Yes!
0: Christmas jack-o'-lanterns.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) So, um, what do you think of the convention so far?
0: Well, this is honestly, personally, one of my favorite conventions ever. Uh, I've been going here. This is my fourth year here. I can't believe it's my fourth year here. Um, and I love it every year even more. Uh, the staff are amazing. Um, I'm very close with the staff here also the attendees here are absolutely amazing everybody's so nice and polite the panels are a lot of fun we get good crowds it's, it's really all been great
1: so um what do you think of the new hotel
0: for a while it took some getting used to because it's one of those things you know it's a change and I'm kind of like stewie i don't like change kind of <laughs> deal um but it's i think it's very nice, and I think, you know, it's downtown Denver. We got a lot of stuff all around. There's restaurants all around here. There's shopping to do, so I think it's a great location, and I think it's a perfect size for this convention. Oh, yeah, and there's
1: the Taste of Colorado going on this weekend. Yeah,
0: yeah. Have you gotten to see it yet? Not Taste of Colorado, but we did go on a tour, the bus tour, uh, which was awesome. We got to see Molly Brown's house. We got to see uh, the, (laughs) I'm going to pronounce it wrong, the Brown Palace, no, hotel, the, the hotel, what is it called again?
1: I am not actually sure,
0: we've lived here for years. Oh, okay, it's right across the street, so it's, it's, I just always forget, but it's beautiful, um, we went there last night, very, very pretty, uh, the tour was very, very interesting, we got to find out a little bit history about Denver, and it was a lot of fun.
1: Excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, speaking of a lot of fun, we, um, we had recorded a a panel, which you can see up on Area DMG, for um the Titan Talk Pan. Oh yeah, yeah. Um so which donut did you end up with?
0: Which donut? Yeah. I ended up with the cookies and cream one. Oh. I didn't even finish it. Oh it my ta- god. I know. Yeah, it was are- it was uh it was the regular it was like a glazed donut with frosting on top and Oreos, like chunks of Oreos on top. And I claimed that one, that was I was just I saw it and I said, That's mine and I didn't even finish it. <laughs> so, but I've always wanted a Voodoo Donut, so I can now say that I've had a Voodoo Donut. <laughs>
1: yeah, but it's kind of a rite of passage, kind of like uh, Casa Bonita, it's like, nobody really wants to eat the food there, but you have to say you ate the food there. And now
0: I've done both, so what does that, does that make me like a true Denver like native now? Uh, I think so, there's other <laughs> stuff,
1: I mean... There's there's a bunch of other pizza places you need to check out at some point while you're here and all that. Okay.
0: Well Just, I, I am a fan of pizza, so that absolutely. that that's totally fine with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it's a it's a pretty good um it's been a pretty good year in terms of like uh well this, this indicates, this it's been so busy.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, it's been very busy. But coming back to like I'm gonna ask you a couple things about Attack on Titan. Do it. You were talking about like during the um during the conv- during the panel you mm-hmm. were talking about the um, the scream that you had to do? Yeah, at
0: point. the Titan screams, yeah.
1: So, um, how rough was that, really?
0: Well, you know, Mike McFarlane, who is the voice director um, of Attack on Titan, he also was the voice of John Kirstein, and he also was the voice of Master Roshi from Dragon Ball Z, so Mike knows a lot about screaming for hours on end because it's from Dragon Ball Z, so he, he knew that it wouldn't be easy, but he knew that I could do it, and uh, we scheduled kind of a, I don't want to say a separate session, but we had set specific times for all of those screams, and if you remember in the panel, we talked about, you know, when she screams during the final battle, she's grunting, she's screaming, she's attacking, but uh, there's one particular scene, um, and it takes place where she's in the forest It's I don't remember what episode exactly, I think it's like episode 22 or something um, or 21 and she is in the forest and she all of a sudden throws back her head and screams very loud and very, for a while, three times and that was just one consistent scream after another that was very painful to do because if you remember in the original Japanese It's very, and I just poked myself in the eye, Um, it comes from, it comes from the gut, it comes from the back of the throat, so it was very, it was, it was painful, but I'm very happy with how it sounds, so it was was a lot of fun, I love to do that stuff in sessions, it just hurts, (laughs) it just hurts to do so. So, what do you do
1: to help recover your voice? Like, um, I know some people eat apple slices, and there's like the lemon and water things and salt water. Um, what do you, you do particularly to help preserve your voice?
0: Well, I, I sleep. Um, sleep is very, very important. Resting it is very important. Don't overuse your voice. Don't talk so. Don't talk too much, which is an issue that I have um, because I love talking to people. But uh, most of the time, tea, hot tea, and, and lemon will help. Also, um, uh, I don't remember the actual Chinese name for it because I'm a horrible person. But the Hulk juice, which uh, Fred Fred Tattishore used. Um, I'm sorry, Fred Tatasciore. No, the original Hulk. Oh.
3: Um,
1: I don't know the original <laughs> yeah, name. Yeah, it's,
0: uh, uh, took my brain. we Wikipedia that. Yes, we'll yeah. we'll wiki that, and I should know. Again, horrible person. But uh, Hulk juice helps a lot. It helps soothe your throat, but rest and sleep really, really help. Most of the time after a video game session, if I am done for the day, I will go home and do absolutely nothing because video game sessions especially are exhausting. And then anime sessions like Attack on Titan are also very Mm -hmm. exhausting. so. (laughs) So any
1: particular type of tea that you recommend?
0: Oh gosh, I have no idea. I'm not an expert on tea, whatever tastes good to me, but peppermint seems to be the the one that a lot of people like, so.
1: Because of the, uh, menthol and such? In it? Yeah. yeah,
0: I think so, and Peppermint just tends to have a lot of healing qualities, I think, so, yeah. Yeah,
1: it just clears everything out.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, basically, I'll get to eat a candy cane or something when I, you know, when the holidays come around.
1: <laughs> so, um, with, like, Attack on the Titan, I guess, spoiler, your character's a villain. Yes. Um, when, do you ever find that, um, people online tend to not separate you from the villain as in um, how do you deal with the occasional super fan that's mm-hmm. just a bit really annoyed that you killed off that particular character and then just wants to take that out on you on twitter or whatnot
0: i've how never done de- i've that? never i've never dealt with that um, i hate twitter personally <laughs> i'm not a fan of twitter and all of uh my pages are private so I actually don't have any fans on either page, uh, simply for that reason. Um, I, I love what I do, and I love nerding out with fans, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But I understand when you love a show so much, you know. But um, I have to say that I actually, I don't see Annie as a villain. Um, I understand that in season one, that's the basic term that you would call her because she is the big bad at the end but psychologically and technically I I really don't see her as a villain I see her as a victim of not a victim but I see that she uh, she was on a... it's very complicated because we don't know her history we don't know why this is her mission we don't know why she's doing what she's doing but if people paid attention what they remember is that Aaron rips her head off and she's crying which means she's showing emotion which means she either regrets what she did or she's upset that she had to do that and she had to betray her comrades you know so anybody who is a villain doesn't cry over that so I don't I actually do not see her as a villain but As I said, because it's the first season, and because she's the big bad at the end. Right now, that's okay, but we don't know what her past is. So, but we will find out.
1: Delve deeper into that. There's Mm -hmm. a, I guess you could say that the, um, we have we have yet to see the um, cracks in the wall of her personality. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) We're just barely, (laughs) barely uh,
1: skimming the surface of this. Right. It's not crystal clear yet.
0: You're yeah. on a roll today. Oh,
1: like, I'm to get there. It's like I had
0: coffee this morning, but that's about it. Yeah, uh, it's okay. I I haven't even had coffee. Oh, so no. how are
1: you operating? You've got I have no idea.
0: I know. You know, it's interesting because most of the time, autograph sight before autograph sightings, I'm exhausted. I I know because I'm going to be talking a lot. But then the moment people walk in, and the moment they show me their beautiful smiles and that they're excited to be here, that helps me get really energized. It's the
1: everything. it's that energy. You just drawing off that definitely off of it
0: absolutely yeah
1: (laughs) well um we don't want to keep you from uh, recovering a bit before your uh, autograph (laughs) session so So
0: it does take take some recovery yeah before we go is
1: there anything that you'd like to go ahead and uh,
3: promote before we
0: well um i'd love for everybody to keep an eye out for when the release date of sailor rune s is going to be um, this show is very dear to my heart, I was a big fan of Sailor Moon back in the day, um, and specifically Sailor Neptune and Sailor Uranus were my favorite characters. So this is very, very special, very dear, very dear to my heart, and I am really happy with how things are sounding, and I really hope the fans out there really like it, and we are doing our best to give uh, Haruka and Michiru what they deserve. So.
1: Excellent. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, this has been your host, Phil the uh, Mile High Mouth. I'm here at Non Descon 2015 with
0: Laura and Linda.
1: And uh, good night, and you're all caught up.
0: Yay! <laughs> <laughs>
1: Radio DMG, I'm your host, Philip Wesley, the Mile High Mouth, and I'm here at Colorado Anime Fest 2016 with...
6: Marisha Ray. Thank you so much for having me.
1: You're welcome. (laughs) And just in case our audience isn't familiar with who you are and what you do, who are you and what do you do?
6: (laughs) I ask myself that question every day. Um, I am a voice actor and actress out of Los Angeles. I'm also a host in the kind of geek sphere of the entertainment industry, and you can also see me. On Geek and Sundry's Twitch show Critical Role, where a bunch of voice actors play Dungeons and Dragons on Thursday nights.
1: And you, you participate in that one, like as the uh,
6: I do. one of the players? Yes, I am a half elven druid named Keyleth, mm. uh, who's kind of the moral compass of the group that is still trying to find herself and figure out who she is. But uh, it's a great cast filled with amazing, amazing, talented voice actors. Um, and Matthew Mercer, another talented voice actor, is the Dungeon master uh, but yeah Liam O'Brien Travis Willingham Laura Bailey just to name a few are a uh, part of the cast and it's, it's quite a blast
1: so um how did you get interested in this industry the uh, voice acting and such
6: uh, well I um, I've been a video gamer and a comic book nerd my whole life so my my dad has pictures of me being three years old and playing Super Mario Brothers and I could kick his ass on most games on the NES, which was great, the H3. And um, I did a lot of theater acting on the East Coast and grew up acting and doing theater and then came out to Los Angeles. And my worlds kind of started colliding after that. So I, I started hosting in the video game industry and doing press work and things of that nature. And then from there, I continued with my acting and doing host or host work and press work in the video game industry led me to meet a lot of people, including voice actors and directors. And then from there I kind of made a reel and it took off from there. Voice acting has definitely probably been the path of least resistance that I've found in Los Angeles thus far. Sometimes sometimes you don't you just don't know until you try. So
1: you did a lot of video game press. Um, Who were you with originally, like, with those?
6: Um, I I worked for um, a company called, uh, uh, hang on, wait a second, what was the name of that company? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Crave Online. Mm. I started working with Crave Online first and hosted a show called The Grind for them, which was sponsored by Alienware. So I was kind of with Alienware for a little bit and was freelance for a while. I would kind of just work with different press outlets whenever they would need me. A lot of times I would go to conventions and cover conventions for them. Um, and yeah, from there I actually ended up taking an improv class and met a lot of other people who were also in the industry just by happenstance and made contacts and kind of went from there.
1: Oh. So you mentioned that like you um were you um Grew up kind of in the th- doing a little bit of theater mm-hmm. stuff and all that. Um, what are some of your earliest memories of the theater? Mm-hmm. Like, do you prefer musical theater over normal theater or what?
6: Um, I actually, I prefer experimental black box theater. Oh. I've done a lot of musical theater, uh, but some of my favorite productions that I've done are the ones that are in a tiny little black box theater with like 50 to 100 people seating. I love the intimacy that black box theater provides. Um, so one of my favorite productions that I've done, I was um, I did a production of Danny and the Deep Blue Sea, where I was Roberta, which is a phenomenal play. Um, let's see what else. I've done some Shakespeare in black box theater, which is really fun when you, when you take Shakespeare and kind of condense it down and make it more experimental. Then, of course, Shakespeare just lends itself to so much new ways of interpreting it. Um, so I did a, a production of *Midsummer Night's Dream in that way, and I worked a lot with the Actors' Theater of Louisville but when I lived in Louisville, which um, they do the new plays every year, and they've got a, a pretty good reputation mm-hmm. for for burgeoning actors and theater actors. And yeah, I did a lot of stuff in New York. did a few musicals in New York off-Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, like I said, I just really fell in love with the more intimacy of Black Box.
1: Which also so. kind of lends itself to like the improv stuff you're talking about. It does, right? yeah. yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. And I've done a lot of improv as well, um, which also tends to be in a more intimate setting. Um, I just, I like when you can feel the audience that close to you. And there is definitely a give and take in theater of energy. Um, you know, we feel the audience and then the audience feels us every time they yeah. react it gives us boost.
1: So have you done any stand-up or anything? Yet?
6: <laughs> not yet? Um, stand-up is on my on my to-do list of things to try. Uh, I've done a lot of theater. Or, or, sorry. I've done a lot of improv, which is, you know, adjacent, I guess, but not really. There's something about stand-up where when you're there, alone, on that stage, raw just telling jokes it's a very vulnerable place anyone who is a talented stand-up comedian that is not an easy job Mm -hmm. that is not an easy job so uh, yeah I've been thinking about trying it Mm -hmm. going to maybe an open mic night and seeing how (laughs) to
1: and and speaking about difficult jobs and stuff what do you think of um, Colorado Anime Fest uh, 2016 this is their first year as a convention and um, what do you you think of it what do you think of um, what they've done here
6: For a first year convention, it's been phenomenal. Uh, It it actually doesn't even feel like a first year convention, which I think is very impressive uh, because so many conventions are about camaraderie and, you know, it's not just about coming to see the things that you enjoy, but it's also about the community. You know, you are surrounded by people who know and love the things that you know and love. And that, I think, is more part of a convention than what a lot of people will give it credit for, um, finding your people, you gotta find your flock and I think this convention thus far has really lent itself to that and you see you're already seeing so many people group up and get together and have their hangouts afterwards and and that's what a con is to me it's uh, it's like the modern-day equivalent of like a, a church like an anime church is how I feel about them <laughs>
1: Yeah, so far I've I've noticed the response has been pretty good from the crowd. The only the only thing I've heard anybody say is that they wish there were more vendors who sold manga here. That's about it.
6: Interesting. I actually yeah. haven't made it down to the dealers hall. Oh, day. you haven't I've been, yet. I've been.
3: Oh.
1: You're missing out on. There's this one booth that's got like all these. They they sold out of their little ice cream narwhals. What? Yeah, they had ice cream narwhal plushies.
6: Oh, that's so damn cute.
1: I know, right? <laughs> they sold out of those really quick.
6: I'm sure. They
1: have all sorts of other things too, so like a. Um, alpaca, alpacas, and stuff like that. So it's definitely oh. worth checking out.
6: I'll have to do that. I'll have to do that, especially uh, now that it's Sunday.
1: And oh, the yeah. schedule
6: might lend itself.
1: Oh, uh, another thing to check out is the uh, charity auction. They're doing. Yes. They're doing a for their charity. For the, they're covering ASL, ALS. Or, yeah. ALS. 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 American
6: Sign Language. Uh, yes. ALS. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, just pretty much all I know is water.
6: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know hot dog. No.
1: Yeah. And then, like, uh, Creed taught me... Um, that that particular movie taught me all sorts of curse words for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, but um, ALS is the charity they're supporting here. Are there any certain charities or anything currently that you're active in or supporting?
6: Yes, actually. Um, Critical Role is currently sponsoring a charity called 826LA. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's actually... There might be an 826 branch in your city. I don't know if there's one in Denver. Um, that'll be something to check out. But they... Are an after school tutoring program that focuses on creative writing and reading. And there, like I said, there's probably an 826 in your area. And the cool thing about them is that every 826 tutoring center has a storefront. And they sell, each storefront is a different theme. And they just sell little tchotchkes and fun things that it's a it's like a great place to take a first date it's mm. really cute so the one in uh los angeles the 826 store is themed time travel and it's called the time travel mart and you can go and just get all sorts of little keys, nanobots in a jar you know Curtis yeah exactly yeah. stuff like that mm. um there's one in san francisco that i think is um dinosaur themed I think don't quote me on that one and then I know I'm pretty sure there's one in Seattle there's one in Chicago Um, the one in New York is superhero themed uh, which is very appropriate Uh, but yeah 826 is a great organization that I'm in love with and if you don't want to donate to their cause I implore you to go down and tutor a kid um, you know, because yeah, reading,
1: um, reading and literacy is something that America's a bit behind in, we need to yes. improve more of that.
6: Yes, and I, and, and reading, I mean, it's it, it's so important for everything mm. going forward. I mean, you know, of course, knowledge is power, and you know, they, they put you through arithmetic in high school that you'll never use, <laughs> <laughs> but reading and creativity. And, and just like creative writing, I think is such an important outlet and such an important skill that it doesn't matter what career choice you go into, it's important. It's it's important for people to still be able to use their imaginations even into adulthood. And I think society has this terrible habit of when children reach a certain age, they're expected to grow up really fast and suddenly, you know playing pretend or make-believe seems juvenile and childish, and I think that's silly. You know, and so, like, there seems I mean, to be a what, very hard That's why board line.
1: games are there for adults, you exactly, know?
6: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And why I love Dungeons & Dragons so much, and why I'm thrilled to see the resurgence of all these tabletop RPGs, because yeah. they're giving adults permission to play pretend.
1: Yeah because like we kind of need that out after all these stressy things we you know? do,
6: yeah I mean, uh, our day to day lives are, are stressful, that's true for everybody um, and you know, there's a reason why games like World, World of Warcraft are so popular in Second Life it, you, you create an avatar and you can do all of these things, you can you can be a successful warlord in World of Warcraft where in real life you might just yeah. you know, who knows what you're doing, you might be unhappy in your job and, I, and that's why I love Dungeons and Dragons as well and, and I, I love, I've, there's so many more schools now now that Dungeons and Dragons is starting to become more socially accepted that are starting Dungeons and Dragons clubs and they're like running games for kids in elementary school and they've done, you know, there's been a lot of studies done that prove that Dungeons and Dragons help with social skills, building you know, real life interactive skills with people because you're exercising those in game that you can then take to the real world Mm um you know there's this terrible idea around gaming in general that i think certain people look at it like it's a waste of time
1: Mm -hmm.
6: yeah i remember yeah
1: during the early 80s and um the late 70s there was like that that um Push toward like, oh yeah, Dungeons and Dragons will lead your kids to Satanism, or whatever. Right, it's right. the whole Phil Phillips, uh, Gary Greenwald thing. Oh, of
6: course, of yeah. course. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 just sad. It's sad. It's-
1: but going back to slightly happier things here, uh, <laughs> of course. Um, so um, you were talking about we were talking about books and literacy. Is there any particular books that you're reading currently that you'd like to talk about, or have you also looked into audiobooks too? A lot of voice actors do. Voice actors also do audiobooks.
6: Uh, that's true. Um, I I tend to be a, I lean a little bit more towards being a reader. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate audiobooks, and there's certain things. Um, I read Tina Fey's book. Bossy Pants, which is really great. I just finished that not too long ago, and she has a section that she did. Uh, if you download, do the ebook version, mm-hmm. she has a chapter that she's read. That's an audiobook version, and that was like mm-hmm. super fun to hear Tina Fey read her book. You know, so I think it depends for me if it's the author of the book doing the reading. Then I think I'll tend to lean towards it more. Um, but I I just enjoy having the words run through my brain so I can give them my own filter. Your own voice. Right, my own voice, exactly. Um, But, yeah, just Tina Fey Bossy Pants is really great. Um, I just downloaded, I haven't really gotten very far. Speaking of gaming, Mm -hmm. um, and how gaming's not a waste of time and how gaming can save the world, Jane McGonigal's book, Super Better. Hmm. Um, And Jane McGonigal, for anyone who's not familiar with her, she's a game designer and she's got her doctorates in... uh, design and game and design, I think. And, um, she has done a few Ted talks that are mm. amazing. That's all about how gaming can save the world. Yeah. And she that's talks like
1: world peace through shared popular culture.
6: Uh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Same, same type of concept. And you know, she talks about how so many people spend hours, you know, especially in like world of Warcraft. Some people spend almost as much time on world of Warcraft a week as they do their day jobs. And so her question was, what skills are we building? And how can we use these people who are investing so much time into gaming to better the real world? And uh, so her book, Super Better, it kind of goes about that on how you can take uh, the concept of gaming and enhance your life and almost attribute a game to your life in that way. So she's phenomenal. I highly recommend you check out anything that she does. She's great
1: excellent and speaking of like taking that game and applying it to real life or so um one thing i've noticed at a lot of conventions is there is a lot of really great positive energy that people have at these conventions and such and sometimes when people leave these conventions and go back to their to school to work to their just everyday normal kind of normal life (laughs) um they uh tend to lose that energy um they just can't seem to when they deal with family or bullies or co-workers or whatnot um do you have any suggestions on how people can take that energy from the convention from their hobbies and apply that to their cool. everyday lives
6: that is an excellent question um i'm actually i'm a, a burner i go to burning man every year and that's one of the huge philosophies in burning man that you take that positive energy and all of the um you know, cultural aspects that you've learned and loved, and the, the humanitarian aspects of it, in because there's always kind of a depression that you get when you have to go home, and I'm sure several people experience that here at cons. You know, and especially when you know, it, depending on who you are in your day-to-day life, maybe your love of anime and gaming isn't as socially accepted among amongst your peers. So, so many people can come to conventions and and. Uh, events like this and (laughs) feel at home, feel, I guess, once again, normal in quotes, even though that's nothing's normal (laughs) for lack of a better term, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a certain kind of sadness and like that can come with feeling like you have to return back to the real world. And I've learned that if you can take the things that you've learned and loved. One of the things that I learned about myself at Burning Man was I enjoy wearing funky clothes and I would dress crazy there and then would come back and just wear jeans and a t-shirt and it's like man if I wanna wear like a vinyl skirt covered in like pink bows like who cares I should do that it makes me happy you know and I'd say find the things just when you go home meditate, like, what made me happy here? Like, man, I loved dressing in, in my brony costume. You know, like, damn, I just, that made me so fulfilled. And then take that and figure out how just slowly you can just start incorporating that into your day-to-day yeah, like, life.
1: Uh, like having things that remind you it. Of reminds remind you,
6: yeah. exactly. You know, you don't have to go crazy, I'm not saying dressing cosplay every day, because... <laughs> I don't think that would make anyone happy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if you... uh, There's so much going on with, like, the closet cosplays. You know, if you want to try and pull a a closet cosplay of Vegeta together at the last minute, like, do it. If it makes you happy. I think so many people get so concerned with what other people think of them and what they're going to judge them. And then eventually you grow up and realize that, no one was thinking of you to begin with. <laughs> so don't don't worry about it. Like You do you and, and find what makes you happy here and then slowly try and just bring those little aspects into your day-to-day life. That's hmm. what I've done. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you so much for the interview. Before we head on out, is there anything you'd like to uh, promote or pimp or anything?
6: <laughs> uh, well, let's see. I guess since I can now officially announce it as of yesterday, so you'll be the first one to get this in terms of on press and recording it, um, I am a few voices in Fire Emblem Fates. Oh yeah, I
1: already pre-ordered that uh, special edition of that. we will awesome. be doing an unboxing of that when it comes out.
6: Awesome, love yeah. it. Um, so I'm I'm a character named Effie in there in Orboro, and I'm not going to spoil the other ones. Okay. You'll just have to wait and see. Oh yeah. But um, uh, are
1: they on the the Re- the uh, conquest or on the uh, birthright section?
6: Um, I'm not telling. Oh, okay. <laughs> maybe a little bit of both. No, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, maybe yes. I I pretty partial to Effie though. So mm. if you come across Effie. I think she can be Recruit like that com- character recruiter, and don't, don't be let a companion. Don't let her die. Don't let her die. She's Do it for great. her. <laughs> She's great. I yeah. loved her. She was a blast to record. Um, so that's, I can uh, finally announce that as of yesterday. I think only because someone else leaked it. But no. hey, it wasn't me. Ha 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 ha.
1: it was on, it was on um, I think Nintendo Everything or something had the full cast list.
6: Okay, so it wasn't like yeah. a leak necessarily. No, no. Was, okay, it was, they it, did it was on uh, purpose. They're
1: like, hey guys, <laughs> this. They are like, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you very yeah, much.
6: Yeah, and of course, check out uh, Critical Role on Thursday mm-hmm. nights on Geek and Sundry's Twitch channel. It's
1: Excellent. 7,
6: 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time.
1: And uh, where can people find that and find
3: you?
6: You can find me on Twitter at MarishaRay. Uh, you can follow Critical Role on Twitter at Critical Role or go to geekandsundry.com and you can catch up on all of our back episodes on that website.
1: Excellent. Uh, thank you very much yeah, for the, this you. interview. Um, this yeah, has been your great. host, Phil Wesley, the My High Mouth, here at uh, Colorado Anime Fest 2016 with...
6: Marisha Ray. Thank you guys so much.
1: And until the next episode comes out, you are now caught up. On descon 2016, or rather their 20th anniversary, with... Richard Epcar. So, just in case our audience, our studio audience, isn't familiar with who you are and what you do, who are you and what do you
0: do?
7: Who the hell am I? I'm Richard Epcar. <laughs> I'm the voice of, uh, I've done over 500 characters in games, animation, and anime. Uh, I'm well known for the Joker in several Batman games, including Injustice, Gods Among Us. I do Raiden in Mortal Kombat. Toe and Ghost in the Shell, I'm handsome in Kingdom Hearts and uh, many, many other shows, including Bleach, Naruto, uh, Dürer, Hunter x Hunter,
5: uh, on
7: and on and on. I started out in Robotech and I uh, was in um, just hundreds and hundreds of titles. It's hard for me to remember I mean, well, sometimes. I'm doing uh, uh, Old Joseph and uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, just a bunch of stuff. So, I've been doing this for now 30 plus years and it uh, gets better every year. So, what inspired you to go into voice acting? Well, I'm an actor. I came out to Los Angeles to be a on camera actor. I thought I was going to be the next Clint Eastwood and I wound up being uh, the next uh, No Blank for some reason. so. Uh, but it's, it's turned out to be a really good thing for me. I've, uh, I've worked on a lot of wonderful things like in A Legend of Court Run some great shows and uh, I've been very, very fortunate. I'm also Commissioner Gordon in a new uh, series of Batman uh, films called Batman Unlimited. So I'm the Joker and Commissioner Gordon. So I don't know if I'm good or bad. I'm just really torn. I'm surprised they didn't get you for the killing joke. That would have been very interesting. Well, that was one that I know Mark Hamill likes, wanted to do for a long, long time. So yeah, it's, it's, it's well and, and proper that he got that. So it's fine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really thrilled to be uh,
0: to be playing the Joker. He's
7: a great character and he's
1: a
0: lot of fun, and certainly an iconic character.
7: So, did you start out with um, theater? Like, what inspired you to move out to California? Well, I'm actually born and raised here in Denver, Colorado. Denver, yes. yeah, Colorado, and uh, I grew up here, and I did plays
3: starting out in
7: kindergarten, and uh, and then I did a lot of plays in uh, junior high and high school, and then. Excuse me, I went to uh, the University of Arizona in Tucson and I was they put me on a full drama scholarship so I did a lot of plays there. And then I went out to L.A. and I did a lot of soaps and uh, TV shows and that sort of thing. And, uh, and my wife actually kind of got me into the voice thing. She was uh, doing a movie one time and they needed to replace the voices of another movie that they shot. They weren't happy with the actors. And she said, can I bring my boyfriend, who was me? And uh, she brought me over there, and the guy said, have you done this before? And I said, I've done it a million times, and I never did it before in my life. And I went in there, and I took to it uh, like a duck to yeah, water, and I think part of the problem, uh, reason was is that I'm a drummer also. Aside from being an actor, I'm a drummer, and there's a rhythm to the dubbing stuff. So
1: That sync point, that
7: deep. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there's a rhythm to and the, the mouth movement, all this stuff, is very rhythmic. So I think the people that are, are musically inclined have a, a much easier go of it than people that don't. And I just fell into it and they really liked what I did and I got I booked on that and I did a bunch of other stuff and then from that I got Robotech. And from Robotech I just started booking every anime thing under the sun. And then from that I started doing games and I started directing and started writing the stuff. and We did foreign films in English and I've traveled all over the world supervising for DreamWorks and Universal Pictures and it's been it's been a wonderful career, I gotta say. I've been very, very fortunate and very blessed. What were some of the early soaps you were on? Uh, Days of Our Lives and uh, Santa Barbara. And general hospital okay I was, I was waiting for that one yeah and young and the restless and uh, i did i did pretty much all of them that were shot in los angeles yeah and i always played a bad guy and it was hard to believe but i was always a bad guy <laughs> well wow. which is more fun playing bad guys or good guys the bad guys were really a lot of fun actually i had a lot of fun i had really a lot of fun doing that and uh, i did a lot of tv shows like uh, highway to heaven and uh, paradise and yeah. Uh, just a bunch of stuff Uh, Columbo I worked on with uh, Peter Falk and uh, uh, Matlock and just a bunch of these shows that I I got to to work on with these guys that that I grew up watching when I was a kid so that was kind of fun you know so um, what was your favorite part about growing up here in Denver in Colorado I love Denver Denver's a great city and uh, I miss it and every time I get invited to do uh, NDK or uh, you know any any of the conventions here in Denver I'm very excited because I get a chance to come home uh, and I love uh, Denver Denver's a wonderful city you know I, I do enjoy Los Angeles and I really actually enjoy living there I'm one of the few people I think there's five of us <laughs> but uh, uh, But Denver's such a great city, and it's, uh, I I don't know, there's just a real community feeling about the entire city. There's a lot to do here, a lot of wonderful restaurants and shops, and uh, the people are great. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of camaraderie, and uh, you don't have that in L.A. because LA's so diverse and spread out, and there's different sections, and so it's a little different. But, you know, it's, when I get a chance to come home, I, I, I do like to come home. I have one cousin left here that still lives here, and so I get to see him when I come back and that's nice.
0: I'm the same way. Um, you've kind of
7: built kind of a life out in California, huh? <laughs> oh yeah, I've been out there about
0: 35 years now. So
7: I've actually lived out, and I've lived in L.A. longer than I've lived in,
6: in Denver, but I was born and
8: raised here, so it, it'll always seem like home to me. You know.
7: And speaking about making a home out in California,
1: how did you meet your wife?
7: Uh, my wife and I met I was auditioning for a repertory theater and uh, she was uh, in the in the company at the time and uh, I had seen her before in a play in a year or two before that and was very smitten with her. And stalker you? Yes, I was kind of a bit of a stalker actually, and uh, she was dating my my next door neighbor at the apartment that I was staying at. He uh, was a little unsavory to tell you the truth, and uh, I had a real crush on her. And I, uh, but I, you know, I stayed away because I know she was she had a relationship, and, and as soon as that uh, that went south, I I moved in for the pounce. You know, we've been together for we've actually been together thirty four years. And uh, well, 36. I should say we we're, we're going to be. We just celebrated our 34th uh, anniversary. So, uh, yeah, so we've been together a long time, we have two kids, our son's a drummer, a professional drummer, he, he was on Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark for five years, and uh, he's on uh, Lion King, and uh, he's sub for Hamilton, and some of these other shows, and he was in a band called Carney, and they opened for U2, and toured with Fergie, and opened for in Vegas, he's, been, he's played for you know, Rihanna, and Justin Timberlake, and He's on John Legend's of well. yeah. uh and line. my daughter is an I amazing singer. She's a singer-songwriter and, singer, songwriter, and writes her own songs, and show. she's yes. phenomenal. But and she appears uh, around like Los Angeles and uh, plays like at clubs so, like, and stuff I, like that. I, I she's an amazing singer, and I really believe one day she's going to blow up really big. But
3: you
7: know, but she's very talented. We have a very, I have to say, very talented family, and I'm very proud of
1: all of
3: them. The
5: early greats, excellent. So, um, yeah. which do you
7: prefer? Like, do you prefer on-camera work or off-camera work, um, voice acting? I love them both. You know, I really do. I, uh, you know, the thing that's real different about uh, the on-camera stuff as opposed to the voice work is that, you know, on camera you're kind of relegated to the way you appear. You know, when you're doing film or television, it's you're cast pretty much for the way you look. When you're doing voice work, you can you can be any character that you could create vocally, and in a way, it's almost more creative. You know, because if you look at yeah. the majority of the yeah. TV yeah. stars yeah. are basically playing yeah. themselves uh, in every yeah. show so, they do.
2: Cedar, Cedar and uh, oh, yeah. I just, yeah. I,
7: I, which is fine, there's nothing wrong weird. with it, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and I would love to do a lot more on camera. I actually have a film coming out called Broken Spirits, and I have one of the leads in that. That's going to be out soon. And I play a shady shaman in that, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, uh, excuse me. Uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully I'll be doing some more on camera stuff, I, I hope so. I've. I've got some scripts in the works that I've written and I've got no! some projects in the works that I'm working what? on and actually Ellen, um, Ellen Sternupcar, my no, wife, no. has written a sitcom for the both of us to do uh, and uh, <laughs> it's very, very funny and she did a great job and I'm looking forward to doing that and hopefully that'll that'll do some, some stuff for us so, you know, we just, we're always busy, we're always doing stuff and uh, like I said, I'm very, very fortunate, I'm one of the lucky ones, I'm always working so. It's a good Always time. hustling, always 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 working. doing stuff, yeah. It's great.
4: <laughs> so um,
7: uh, one, um, one thing about conventions i noticed uh, actually. you
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> were
7: like that little bit of a, you like the energy around, around these conventions? I do, absolutely, yeah. You know, for me, it's like, you know, we, we do all of the different conventions, and, you know, we've done some of the big ones like Dragon Con and all this stuff, and and people always come up to me and they say, you know, you got you voice guys seem so much nicer than some of the camera actors. and I think the reason is, is that, you know, we're stuck in these dark booths all day long doing these parts, and we don't know if people are going to like it or not like it, and we go to these conventions, and people are very and they just love the characters and they really relate to what we do, and it just makes it really, really nice for us. Whereas the on camera guys, it's a little more immediate because they're, you know, they're recognizable, you know, visually. Oh, it's kind me. of like a, a, a facial prejudice
1: where yeah. uh, when someone looks at an actor, they're like, oh, that actor, or I know that actor, or I don't
7: like that. Actor. When they hear a voice, it's easier to. It, it's more like more of the soul comes across to the voice. Maybe, maybe that's what yeah. it is. I don't know, but, but I've played so many different characters uh, <laughs> vocally nice. which is really nice and uh you know, there was a period when I was doing a lot of stuff so i go into the supermarket and get recognized and stuff like that. But it's, it, it is kind of nice in a way just to go to dinner and not have a bunch of people other you while you're eating your dinner. Uh, but, you know, listen, I wouldn't mind that either. I, I'd be thrilled for that, too. So, you know, it's all good. It, it's all working out the way it's
3: supposed to work out. So. Yeah,
7: that, that, there's that energy,
1: especially at these conventions. You love that. And these conventions, people are just bouncing off the walls. So they just get that, that, um, that convention high, that just emotional energy that just manifests itself,
3: and just explodes yeah. out. But yeah. Well, what they have noticed it's is, is people will be
1: so incredibly yeah. happy yeah. and yeah. and, you know, like, and um, they they really energetic during era. a convention. <laughs> when they get out <laughs> of you know, the convention, go back to their workplace or school or to their bosses and bullies, they tend to lose that energy. They tend yeah. to they tend to go on a really bad um, conde- post-con depression. Oh, really? Do you have any tips uh, um, <laughs> right. or suggestions right. to help people take that energy from the convention and bring it to their everyday lives? Well, it's
7: hard. Listen, it's like anything you do. Anything that fills you with joy and you're really having fun and then and then that goes away suddenly, you know, and you're kind of back to the real world, the reality of it all. Uh, you know, it is, it is a bit of a downer, but you just have to, you know, remember that you know, it's all part of life. You know, there's good stuff, there's bad stuff, you just have to ride it and try to, try to stay even-keeled and... Uh, uh, the, I think what's so wonderful about the conventions is that so many people they get to dress up like their favorite characters, and it really makes them feel good. And uh,
0: you know, I was at one of
7: these conventions, and I was sitting at a table next to a doctor and his wife, and they were kind of, you know, a little freaked out by all the the cosplay. And I, I said to them, you know what?
3: These guys are they're good
7: kids. They're they're not you know they're not on drugs. They're not stealing cars. They're not doing anything bad. They're just they I, yeah, love I these. I don't think they could run those costumes. No, they love these characters, and they want. The you know, it's, it's it's really fun for them to become these characters. So I, I said they're not hurting anybody and, and it's just it's just pure joy, you know, and they enjoy it and I think I, I changed their, their whole outlook on the whole thing. And, and, it, and I, I just think it's wonderful. You know, these conventions, every year, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. It's unbelievable, you know. So there's a reason for it, you know. But I just think, you know, people have to remember, you know, this is this is a convention,
3: and they're having fun, but, you know,
7: they have to realize that, uh, you know, that once the convention goes, it doesn't mean everything goes to hell, you know. You just have to, you know, look forward to the next time or something else. Or, you know, there's a, there's moments in life where you kind of you have to look forward to things coming up. You know, but uh, life goes very quick, so you just have to try exactly. to try to stay yeah, exactly. positive and happy, and you know it's all mostly I mean, it's mental. You know, you just have to convince yourself that you're having a good time and things are good. And when you're feeling happy and positive, good things come to you. You know, well, it's kind of like the secret well, like where you can have it. it's a be a whole attractor thing. Yeah, and it's true. It's really true. I don't know anything about the secret. I kind of I know kind of what it's about, but. It's pretty much like think positive, positive things happen. Well, yeah, it's true because I know people that get into like these ruts and then they they just you know they get more and more negative and the more negative they get, the more bad things happen to them. And it's like sometimes you just have to really flip that switch, you know, and just try to you know be positive about everything because things uh, things will turn around if you have a good attitude. Right. You know. Well, before we go, is there anything you'd like to go
1: ahead and promote? And where can people find you on social media? We
7: have a lot. Well, first of all, you can find me
2: on Facebook
7: and Twitter, Richard Upcar, Uh Richard Upcar, Richard Upcar on Facebook and Richard Upcar on Twitter. And I have actually three pages on Facebook. I have a fan page and uh, two other pages, uh, Richard Upcar and Richard Upcar 2. So you can find me there. You can also find me on my website, which is richardupcar.com. And, uh... And as far as uh, uh, a little, uh, uh, I'd like to just say to all the people out there that are fans of my work and have uh, been supportive of me over the years, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. I, I, I've been very, very fortunate. I've gotten into some sticky wickets where I've replaced some actors and some parts, and it's been a kind of a, a hailstorm sometimes, but uh, I've gotten through it, and the fans have been wonderful and been right there for me, and uh, it's just been great. So thank you for that, and uh, I hope you appreciate what I do and uh, I love what I do and I hope you do too.
9: So. There you go.
1: Thank you very much for the interview. This has been Philip Wesley the Mile Eye Mouth for radio
9: DMG.com and Richard um, Upcar. And we've
1: been here at Nondescon 2016. Their 20th anniversary and until the next episode comes out, you are now caught up.
8: the uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah.
9: yeah, I've heard good things about it, so I'm, I have, I'm not a fan of the old ocean dub, so I have
8: like, high standards, especially with the Kickstarter. I think it was pretty good for its time, but we've come a long way with anime dubbing since then, you know? Uh, I mean, it wasn't really an industry back then, it was just something that people did for extra work, and now it is such an industry that we are looking for actors now. You know. We've got more shows than we've ever had and it looks like we may be getting even much more coming up soon. So I always tell people, if you want to get into voice acting, this is the time to do it. People will say at conventions, why why do you always use the same people over and over and say because we tap the talent. Well, we from three coasts. We have people flying in all over the country to come to Dallas to record and we've used them all.
9: Well, and with how One Piece still has, like, 500 more episodes to go. And, and a million
8: more characters to go, probably. <laughs> that what Half the time, if you see people waiting in the lobby, it's to audition for One Piece. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just drawing characters over here. It's Usopp and Krilla. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. There you go. Are cool. we, have we started? Um, um, I don't okay. know if you did. First, we did. kind of still set up, and then whenever Aaron says
10: they're all ready, we can
8: kind of shoot, just go kind counterclockwise one question each and so round most of One <laughs> question each. <laughs> round. Make it a good one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always say that like one of these days I'm gonna go to a panel, I'm gonna have nothing but these uh, cards that'll have everyone's in the room their question. Because I've been at ever eighteen years I've been asked every question. And I'll say is this your question? <laughs> uh, how do you get into voice acting? Is this your question? Who is your favorite voice actor? Is this your question? How is it someone your age can look so attractive?
3: Oh, that's,
8: <laughs> big, that's big money, honest.
1: Yeah. I think what we're doing right now is uh, many of us have actually started recording and we'll just fix it in post. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, cool. Oh, yeah, good.
8: Yeah, mm-hmm. I still think the pub crawl would have been better. Maybe next year we can yeah. do that. Or we started the okay. dispensary like yeah, this man wants. So yeah, we're let's we're just good. <laughs> a around the table. Yeah, okay. Starting with... Should we introduce
1: ourselves? Oh, yeah, first? introduce okay. yourselves first. Okay. Who are you? Oh, my name is Philip Wesley. The mile I'm out. you can go to uh, RadioDMG.com or DMGS.com. And uh, let's move on to the next person. I'm Jerry from
8: Anime Hype. Hi, Jeremy.
9: I'm Marcus
4: Hanks
8: from Kaiju no kami. Marcus. I'm Kelly from Kaiju no Hi, Kelly. Kyle from Broken Analog. So, Kyle? I'm also James from Broken Analog. You're also James? I'm <laughs> <laughs> also, also from Broken I'm sorry. I'm James from also from Broken Analog. Okay. You only lost five points. You still so- <laughs> you can still make a ninety five and if you get the bonus, you'll get a hundred. Make us lose. Okay. So you wanna start the questions?
1: Um I guess we're going in this way. Okay.
8: This way. So, but we're no, starting with no, as- no, your twelve so. o'clock. Twelve Please, three. Yeah. I'm at the twelve or zero. No. You should be here at twelve o'clock, you would change. Uh, okay. Twelve o'clock. I'm twelve o'clock. Okay. Welcome to the twelve o'clock meeting. Okay. I'm twelve o'clock, i will be yours. Host. <laughs> so, uh,
1: yes. just to start this out, just in case any of our studio audiences or video audiences aren't familiar with who you are and what you do, who are you and what do you do?
8: My name is Vic Mignogna. I am <laughs> a, um, my name is Sonny Strait. I am a, primarily a voice actor and director, and I'm also a cartoonist. Uh, my cartooning work mostly has been with through Elfquest, which has been published at Warp Graphics and DC Comics. And I'm also a colorist. I'm coloring ElfQuest at Dark Horse right now. And I had my own series, We Shadows, that was published by Tokyo Pop, that was nominated by the American Library Association for Best Graphic Novel of 2008. But mostly I'm a a cartoon voice actor, uh, known for Krillin from Dragon Ball Z, Usopp, One Piece. I was the original Toonami Tom for Cartoon Network. Um, What else? Uh, Koro Sensei from Assassination Classroom, Mace Hughes Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, gosh, tons. Somebody had put every character they thought that I did. I so said, I've got all your characters on here. And I went, how many are 67. Nope. That's close, though. You're, uh, you're almost halfway. <laughs> but you also have to count the characters that I do under a soon name. Uh, like a lot of bit parts, I'll do under the name Kuldas, K-U-L-D-A-S, who's already got a lot of internet credits now. He's, he sounds like a young me. Um, when I used to be a, a religious educator for a, a Denton Unitarian Universalist Church, and the Unitarians don't really believe in anything. They just have their suspicions. And we got to meet a lot of religious leaders from different religions. And my family became very close with the leaders of the Hare Krishna Temple in Dallas. These guys are the sweetest people. And we were at a party, and I said is it wrong to want to be a Krishna devotee just to get one of those cool names you guys have? And he goes, do you want the cool name? (laughs) He's the president of the Krishna temple. And I said, yeah, it'd be cool to have a cool name. He goes, then your name is Kuldas. It means servant of God's dynasty. It's a perfect Unitarian name. I was like, oh, cool. So Kuldas is my other name. (laughs) So I think that's me in a nutshell. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, I'm just going to do
9: this. So you mentioned your... uh your graphic novel and every any or your publishings, any of those would you want to see turned into a, a series? And if so, what character would you most want to do?
3: Mm,
8: that's a good question. Uh, well, I would love to see Wee Shadows done as an anime because I own the rights to it and I'd make more money. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I would like to play uh, this character, James, which I modeled after myself if I had gone another path in life, which was to be an accountant. <laughs> and, and he's not very happy as an accountant.
9: I did not.
8: Yeah. But yeah, we're like... And, uh, you know, but the thing is, like, ElfQuest, Wendy and Richard Peeney, the creators of ElfQuest, have been trying to get that made to a movie for years. They came really close. Warner Brothers optioned it twice recently. Uh, but they finally said no because they're putting out The Hobbit and they couldn't put out two fantasy shows at the same time. Um, but... For me, I, I always thought ElfQuest is great as it is. It doesn't need to be made into a movie. Because I'm a big fan of comics and the medium itself. Right. It doesn't need to be validated by being in a movie. And the same with my own work. I'm very happy with what I've done. It'd be cool to have a gravy train like that and make some money. But honestly, I, I just I like creating comics and I like living in that world. So the money is, you know, I don't care if it's ever made into a movie.
9: So how have you seen yourself evolve over the years and what challenges did you face when going from being voicing, voice acting to
8: also then directing? Hmm. Yeah, directing is really good for voice actors. I, I directed about 10 years ago. I did a lot, maybe it was any longer than that, Sonny. Oh gosh, um, been in this business too long. Uh, but I, I directed like a lot of the Dragon Ball episodes and I directed a lot of the Lupin the third movies that Funimation had back in the day and I played Lupin. Um, so directing is something I'd already done but I came back to it about 10-15 years later just recently and it's really cool because um, when you're directing actors you you start adding things to your own palette because you're you're like oh yeah that's an interesting way to approach it and I also think that every decade or so styles change, acting styles change, I mean if you listen to the way we do dubbing now and like we're talking about Escaflowne and the original Escaflowne it's like Night and day. It's a completely different acting approach. And when you've got the new kids coming in that you're directing and people have been there for just a couple of years, you're like, oh, I see what your kids are doing. That's cool. You know, you can add that to your palette as well. So it's, and I have seen actors that I thought were okay actors, but after they directed, they're They're amazing. Yeah, so it's it's a good thing to do. Now, evolving,
3: hmm,
8: I don't know. I think I'm a little more comfortable in my skin than I used to be. And, and doing these panels and conventions. And I remember back in the old days, every panel had a moderator, you know, and the moderator would ask you questions. It was like a talk show, basically. And they, they don't do that anymore, but I remember the first time it happened, and I was in Australia, and I uh, go up there and I, I, I said, where's the moderator? And they said, oh, you just get up there and speak. I went, okay. So I took the mic and I started asking questions, and I had a blast. And from then on, I said, I don't want a moderator. I just want to do it because it goes faster, it's better, and I can relate to the people easier. And uh, and I I think also more people get a chance to ask questions that way too. When you have a moderator, like I said, it becomes kind of a talk show, and so a lot of people don't get a chance to say anything. The industry itself has evolved a lot. Um, It wasn't an industry when I started. It was just things, there was, you could get a job doing anime as well as commercial work or whatever, theater, a lot of people did theater, I came from theater. Um, but to make a living doing anime was way out of the question. And we would get asked, how do you get in, how do you become a voice actor? And we would tell people, don't become a voice actor, set out to be an actor, because you don't know what life is going to give you. However, now I might say, yeah, you could probably just stick to just anime voice acting because there's a lot of work out there.
9: Um, so, uh, I just recently watched Dragon Ball Z, uh, Resurrection F. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a little bit behind. Mm-hmm. And, um... Krillin is one of my favorite characters and I think he gets poked um, a lot. Sure. It's kind of like one hit. He's
8: like the reverse of One Punch Man. He's his doppelganger. That's why he's bald too. I I, I actually texted Chris Case and I said, Hey, why didn't you give me the lead in One Punch Man? You know I do bald characters really well. (laughs) He's he's One Punch
9: Man's Yeah. Um, And the first scene that reveals, you know, Krillin's the cop and such like that. And my friends are like, oh my God, he's going to get beaten up by the the, the criminals. Wrong. And such like that. But that movie I absolutely love because you, like, Krillin just kicked a lot of ass. Yeah. So I guess my question to you is uh, when uh, reprising that role and Mm -hmm. such like that, how did you feel just kind of seeing him not only just being like the. Uh, empathetic character of like the series being kind of like the moral compass, but then finally, you know, getting the screen time, getting like this, like, epicness to it. Yeah, a lot of
8: people say that Krillin has the best skills with martial arts. Mm -hmm. And and that's the only reason he survives, you know, because he hangs around with gods. He is literally the strongest human being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, certainly stronger than Yamcha. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of people debate say that Tien may be as strong as Krillin. And maybe you know, but is Tien really human? I mean, you could, I've seen a baby born without a nose, but not with an eye, right by here. <laughs> uh, but I, I, the thing about Krillin though is a lot of people, say, you know, call he's a wuss or you know, whatever. He's not. He's, he's obviously not. And he, he's also. I've said this many times that Krillin is the definition of courage, because courage is not being without fear. Courage is being afraid and doing what you got to do. And Krillin will rush in knowing he's going to die, knowing he is, just to buy his friends and family a moment to get indoors. Uh, And then he's turned into chocolate. Um, (laughs) But he knew this would happen. And so to say that Krillin is a coward is, you don't understand the definition of courage then, you know? Uh, But yeah, it was good to show what Krillin can do. You know, he still ran into the side of, of a cliff at one point. He, yeah. <laughs> but it wouldn't be Krillin without that. Right. And a lot of people, once somebody asked me on Facebook once, um, does it bother you that the badass character you play, Bardock, gets so little screen time, whereas Krillin you know, gets all this screen time and he's a wuss? And I went, no, because when you play a character like Bardock, you're always on this level. You stay on this level the entire time. Whereas Krillin is like, Good God, look, yeah. you know, He's all over the place, right? And it's a blast to get your ass kicked when you're just acting it. And, uh, and, and uh, Krillin gives me many opportunities to do that. And actually got me a, a job on a video game called Splosion Man. And Splosion Man makes a lot of weird, crazy, wacky noises. And because of the years of being a goof on Krillin, uh, Chris Savick, who's directing that anime—I mean that uh, video game—said, "Oh, it's got to be sunny." So that helped me get that. Also, I think it helped me get Koro Sensei as well. Oh. Yeah.
3: Well,
1: um, since this is De- um, De- uh, Non Descon's twentieth uh, anniversary, it's a pretty good convention so far. What is your opinion of this convention so far in uh,
8: Denver? Oh, I love Denver. I'd move here in a minute. This is a great con, and I'm glad to see it growing so much. I, last time I was here was two years ago, and it was in another location. But it's grown so much in those two years that it had to move here. So more power to them, that's great. Yeah, The, the fans are very nice here. Yeah. I've been to places where they're not. This, this is not one of them. Maybe it's all the dispensaries. <laughs>
9: um, so I wasn't going to talk too much about Dragon Ball Z, but... Um, there's With Super coming out and the whole dimensional, universal things, um, do you think that Bardock might be coming back as part of one of those, uh, the universal cool. tournament?
8: I hope they get that settled, I would love to do Super, you know, but it's still kind of waiting. Right. But, um, yeah, I would love to do more Bardock, and I would love to, There, there is an OVA of Bardock where he becomes a Super Saiyan, mm-hmm. and I would love to do that one. I don't know why we haven't picked it up yet.
0: Um, Well, being that you're a cartoonist, that you're that creative type both in the booth as well as with... In the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know that personally, but Uh, sure. I'm sure Um, the rumor (laughs) perceives (laughs) it.
4: But the interesting thing of it, I think, is that you have such diversity. Do you take that into the booth with you when you're looking at the artwork,
0: like, wow, I wonder yeah. why they made those decisions, mm-hmm. like what you do?
8: Yeah, it's a good question because they, they do feed on each other. Mm-hmm. And I was a cartoonist, I was a published cartoonist before I was a voice actor. Oh, nice. So to get in the head of cartoon characters was natural to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was also a puppeteer, which takes care of the flat right <laughs> now, right? Um But uh, yeah, it, as, as I think of any creative person is can be good at anything creative if they spend the time to to work on it. Mm-hmm. And like everyone in Funimation is good at not just voice acting, a lot of them are musicians or writers and things like that, because I believe it comes from the same source.
3: Mm-hmm. And that's
8: just how you want to present it. You know, creativity is creativity. But and but yeah, it does feed on it. Like when I when I'm like directing now, it's it's affected the way I draw at home, you know? And um, and also I think my drawing has affected the way I act as well. Uh, if I look at a character on a screen, I give a voice to the way the character looks. And it's really easy for me to use it as an avatar to just jump inside of it. Mm-hmm. Which might be why I don't play many video games, because I get enough of it at work. But yeah, it is a thing that feeds off of itself. Yeah. I mean, you—you you, any experience is going to be good for you, and you can apply it somehow. Oh, nice. Yeah.
9: Um, were there any uh, rules that you got that you were a fan of the series? Um,
8: mm, no, not really. Uh, except I had watched Dragon Ball. I wouldn't say I was a fan of it. I liked it, um, but I didn't. I want to say I wasn't a fan, but I didn't know what it was. This was years ago. This is old time. Uh, before I was working at Funimation, I had rented a VHS copy of Dragon Ball to watch at home because it just looked like a fun little cartoon. And, oh, that's cool! It was a cool cartoon. It was uh, Dragon Ball, and Goku's riding on the cloud and stuff. And I thought like, oh, that's cute. And then a couple of years later, I auditioned at Dragon Ball Z, and there's a poster and of, of Goku riding on the cloud. And I went, "Oh, I've seen this show. What show is that?" And they went, "That's the show you're on, man." I went, "Wow. Okay. Cool." <laughs> So that was the closest to being a fan of something. but I, I wouldn't say I was a hardcore fan of it. But I just like cartoons, you know.
1: Um, feeding a little bit off of um, being a fan of something, one thing I've noticed at a lot of these conventions, this one included, is that there's a lot of uh, high energy, a lot of uh, people tend to really, really enjoy themselves with these. Mm-hmm. Like, they just bring that, they seem to
8: draw that energy from the convention. Mm-hmm. Um, what well, you've got noticed? thousands of people Living out childhood dreams, to, you know, it's 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 Halloween every day here, <laughs> yeah. right? And and so you, and it's a, in an environment where you wouldn't be embarrassed to be wearing these costumes. So yeah, this is a very high energy. Everybody's giddy as children because they're just being children now. Oh yeah, which um. is awesome. Yeah,
1: uh, Drawing that energy though, one thing I've noticed though is when people leave the convention and go off to their normal everyday lives and jobs and schools and dealing with bosses and bullies, um, they tend to lose that energy. Do you have any suggestions for how people can take that energy from the conventions
8: and apply it to their normal everyday lives? Um, well, this is going to sound bad, but I don't go through that. <laughs> when I go home, I'm working on stuff I'd really like doing. And Funimation is a really fun place to work. I have never said, "Oh man, I got to go to work," but I would say, if I was in your shoes, um, well, no, what you know, I can pictures because years ago I used to go to comic book conventions when I was still waiting tables. But what I did was I incorporated what I did at the convention at at work. I would sell my comics at at, uh, at my tables. People were regulars at the restaurant I worked at. They would buy like the first run of my comics because I just didn't have any shame and I just brought it up there so yeah bring it bring your concept to work you know bring your toys hide them in the drawers <laughs> I'm now working with um, in the same studio as Cliff Chapin do you guys know Cliff Chapin is? fine young act, actor and director uh, he is uh, starring in my latest show Servamp but he and I share a studio I had I do it at night he does it in the daytime and I had already decorated the studio and I got all these uh, statues of characters that I've done voices for. And he said, oh, I want to bring some of my statues up here. I went, yeah, cool, what you got? He goes, well, I got some Robotech. And someone went, are you in Robotech? And he goes, no. And I went, you're not allowed to bring your toys. You have to bring your trophies. (laughs) (laughs) This is a place of
3: business.
8: (laughs) But yeah, I, I, I would, yeah, you could take that with you. Why not? Find out who's into anime at your work, and then you could, like, have a secret signal.
9: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so, with all the changes in technology and everything for the past 20 years, um, it's become less of a people person job. You tend to do it all at home or.
8: Um, no, I, no, we, we still do most of our stuff in, in Funimation proper. Okay. One on one. Occasionally stuff. we have people who will, will record at home and send stuff in. Like Especially like if we really want somebody else and it would be just. Too impossible logistically to get them to come from Canada or wherever. But generally, we do it there. And like a biggest bulk of our shows now are broadcast dubs. Right. And we have to use local actors for that because while it takes us a week to do an episode, you only have that week with a broadcast dub. So nothing can go wrong. You have to have those people locally there so that if you have to do a pickup or something, you can grab them. But uh, generally, yeah, it's face to face. Oh.
9: So, with now when there's a lot of series that have somo dubs, mm-hmm. has that changed the way you need to approach something since some, instead of getting like a full length series to dub over the course of time, you're doing it like, oh we need to have this episode done by Friday, mm-hmm. because it's going up over the weekend, and then you gotta get the next one done next Friday, have you yep. changed?
8: It's it? presented some new problems, because like um, a lot of the shows, they're producing them in Japan a week before we put it out, right? And like with the show Surband, uh I used to do this all the time anyway. I, if I was on a, sh- especially a show that had a long run like One Piece or something, I'd read the manga just because when you read comics, you have a voice in your head for those characters. So all you got to do is listen. How does that voice sound? And just present it right. Um, but now everyone is being told to do that. Who directs a broadcast up? Read the manga so you know what the heck's going to happen because we don't know. We're a week ahead of time our writers are only a week ahead of us. So we, we just, like, I find out what's gonna happen like three days, uh, well, about a week before everyone else does. Um, which does present some problems, like, there's a character coming up in the, an episode I'm directing next week, um, who I think is a very important character by the script, but uh, in the manga, it doesn't mention who he is, but I'm afraid that it might mention who he is by the end of the series. And if it's a character we've already done, then I, I need to have that person do it. But how do we know who it is, right? Uh, so it's, it's, it does present some interesting problems. I think the payoff, though, is much better. I mean, first of all, piracy is gone at this point because they don't have a chance to, to pirate it. Uh, and also, it's good. It's a benefit to uh, dubbers. Because, you know, a lot of fans only like sub-only, right? Or if they hear the sub first, they're like so used to that sub that the dub's like, well, that's not what I'm used to. Now they don't have a chance to get used to it. You know, they hear both at the same time.
9: Um, so for um, shows that were done a very, very long time ago, have their voice actors and such. Um, and then just kind of uh, reviving those shows. See, like by Um uh, Mostly Lupin the Third. Oh, okay, cool. Um, like... The- it's a particularly old crowd, but it's a very like uh, loyal kind of fan base. Sure. Sport. So, uh, as far as doing the voice loop on the Third, did you feel any kind of like, anxiety or any kind of like nervousness, like responsibility to kind of live up with the really crazy hijinks and that, and that ferocity no, energy?
8: I'm a very irresponsible person. I usually don't feel that kind of pressure. <laughs> uh, although I did base a lot of it on the original Seiyu that did it, did it uh, years ago, as well as. I can't think of the guy's name, but he did Castle Cagliostro, that voice actor. Loved his voice. As a matter of fact, Savit uh, introduced me to it when he cast me. as He says, your voice is so close to this anyway, but I want you to listen to this and listen to the Japanese. And so, yeah, we try to be, you know, we try to present. It may not be the same voice, but we try to the same intent for the characters, you know. And in that case, it was trying to be very close to the original. Usopp, I try to stick very close to the original even to this day but in the in the past when we were recording on um, tape uh, we didn't have the luxury of seeing the Japanese first Now we see it before every line so it's really easy to get the intention and the emotion down you know because you can hear it in the voices of those actors That's the show I say by the way that if you don't like the way I do Usopp, I don't care <laughs> because Oda cast us as this that's one of the few shows that it happened Although I've, I've said I've it so much at conventions, I now see websites where people are going. Well, do you think just because a creator likes it, it's good? <laughs> I'm like, no. But if you don't like it and the creator likes it, I'm going to say you're hard to please. Yeah. <laughs> um, and speaking of, like, I had uh, Akane came to the premiere of Escaflone, and I was. They did not tell me it was going to be there. And so they came out and said, okay, Okane will come out first and he'll speak something, and then you'll go out. And I'm like, he's here? <laughs> I had prepared nothing. But he talked a little bit, I talked a little bit, we watched a couple of episodes. And during the panel, he said, uh, oh my gosh, he says, I think Sonny and his crew have to be thanks because they hit every emotional note. And he said, at one point, I was wondering when did uh, Vaughn and Hitomi learn to speak English? And I was like, oh, thank you. When do you put that in the ads. Uh, and then afterwards his uh, interpreter came up to me and she said "Oh, he wanted me to let you know that he was not just saying that for the panel He is very happy that it's in your hands and I was like oh I can ride that for a long time (laughs) and that's I mean we all have become fans of what we do obviously right Uh, so when we get to meet these people we're as excited as you guys are especially when it's our Japanese counterpart you know like the guy who directed or the guy who acted or whatever um, so yeah, it's it was it was awesome.
1: So, um, is there anything that you're currently working on, or that you um, just recently completed that you'd like to go ahead and promote? Okay, Watch
8: Sir vamp That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you really I've been. Where can you see that? Oh, uh, Yeah. Also, you can go to you can see uh, Rage of the Bahamut is one of the best mm-hmm. shows that I've ever directed, and it's so unknown. And a, it's based on a card game, right? But you would not know it watching it. The animation, it's like Disney did an anime. It is very slick, very cool, and it's a... Um, I don't know if you're a fan of spaghetti westerns or not, but I, I am. It's like those old spaghetti westerns meet uh, fan, high fantasy. So it's like the Old West with dragons and demons and gods and stuff in it. And Ian Sinclair plays the lead, and he is brilliant in this. The character I thought when I first watched it, and he's kind of a Lupin the Third type, right? So the person to beat in the auditions was me, because I was gonna, I, I want that part. And then I listened to a bunch of people audition. I went, it's gonna have to be me. You guys are not even close. You're not nailing it. And I told my producer Zach, and he goes, hmm. Have you? What about Ian Sinclair? Did he audition? I went, no. Well, I said, but he's Brooke. That's not. That's not the voice I'm looking for at all. And he goes, no, no, no. Pull up Space Dandy. So we watched Space Dandy. I heard two sentences and I said, Is he available? <laughs> he said, I'll find out for you. So he is, it's not Loop on the Third, but it is so fun and so funny, and, it, and it's much better than what I would have done to it. And I, I'm so pleased that he got onto it. And I, I'm now starting to take it to convention. I took one uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I would like to take it to more just to introduce people to it. Because I know that if I'm doing a panel and I'm there, they'll come at least to see me. And then I can introduce them to this. I want to do that with other shows, too, because there's a lot of really good shows that just people don't know about that kind of go under the radar. That's all the time. Okay. Time we
5: have for this one. Well, thank so.
8: you guys very much. Had a good time. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you. Pleasure.
1: Welcome back to Radio DMG. I'm your host, Will The Mile High Mouth. I'm here at Non-Descon 2015 with... Robbie Davis! So, um, just in case people may have forgotten from
10: the last time we interviewed you, who are you and what do you do? Oh, well, I'm a voice actor based in Los Angeles, and uh, i got about seven years skin in the game, and uh, just started doing anime last year uh, with um, the new Viz redub of Sailor Moon, and uh, as of this year, uh, Sailor Moon Crystal, uh, among other projects, but... That's mostly what I've known for in the anime world. Oh, yeah. So, on the other projects, anything that's happened over the last year that you can talk about? Yeah, yeah. Sailor Moon was my first anime, and then since then I've gotten to be in several of the series. I've been working on Face State Night Unlimited Blade Works, and uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, uh, Naruto SD Rock Lee and Friends, Naruto Shippuden, uh, and then I'm doing... I'm doing uh, a few other series with uh, ben Zoom, but I can't quite tell you what they are just yet. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. We'll and, find out. And I still do um, a lot of traditional animation and video games, yeah. So pretty much just keep on, keep it on, right? Yeah, I'm a working actor, you know, I don't work, I don't eat, so uh, so um, yeah, yeah, I stay busy, and um, yeah, I've been really fortunate in my casting, and the last... Um, You know, four years or so have been really great for me and um, no small part to the fans who watch the media and the the people who make it. And I'm just uh, really happy and fortunate to be here talking to you. So, what do you think
1: of um, Descon's new hotel? Love it. Can, oh, I know, right? I
10: do. you got space to spread out. There's no air conditioning? Yeah. Like yeah. That, that's running in the background, you know? Yeah, yeah. Things, yeah, and the yeah, rooms the the yeah. are frosty, that's for sure. Oh, goodness. I yeah. think I almost uh, froze to death in my panel the other day, but, uh, you know, it, it's better than being hot. Um, yeah, and I really, really love downtown Denver. Uh, I mean, I what a cool, positive vibe! All kinds of different people, music, arts, good food, good drinks. Ah, wink, wink. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've really, uh, I, I really like the new location. I hope they stay here. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm thinking they
1: will for yeah. a little bit. That's a good vibe. Uh, yeah. So, have you checked out like the Taste of Colorado thing yet?
10: No, Taste of Colorado is going on right now, and you know, I, I haven't had a chance to do any of that stuff. They've been keeping me pretty busy here. <laughs> They're yeah. just like keeping you tied to the hotel. No, nah, Don't wander no. off. <laughs> we, I've wandered off reservations. I went all the way down to, uh, was it, Ocean Prime. I had dinner there. Mm. Really good. I went to the town square with all the lights and stuff, that little strip. I've walked all up and down, but I haven't got to do any of the taste of stuff stuff. Mm. I've been missing it. Yeah. It happens. Yeah, yeah. I've heard it's great though. Oh, so um, like um, have you um, been to many, many conventions between here, between last NDK and this one? You know, I don't actively I don't have a booking agent. I don't actively pursue going to conventions, but if a convention reaches out to me and I have the time, I'll, I I love to go cuz I love to meet the fans and but I I mentally I can only do about <sighs> Six to ten a year, if if that, because um, I'm finding out that you know, it's a lot of energy it takes, and it wears me out, and makes me tired on Monday when I have to go to do a session, and you can hear it in my voice right now. I'm just like, you know, tired. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, been I, it has been a crazy weekend. It has been for sure. But um, yeah, I've i gotten to go to Australia and uh, uh, sort of travel coast to coast in DC, in New York, and uh, Chicago, Florida, California, all around, which is where I live. But um, yeah, it's it's I I love the convention scene. There's a lot of passion and good vibes. I'm into it.
3: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: So um, going back to your work, um, since you've been working on um, say on the Sailor Moon series, um, do you have any funny stories you can tell us about that process?
10: Oh, you know, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> most of the funny stories come from the conventions because that there's more interaction. I, we record by ourselves when we record anime. A lot of your listeners probably know, and um, so it's usually just me and a director, and it's usually work mode. So I wish I could say we were like cutting up all the time in the in the studio. We do have a good time sometimes, like sometimes when Tuxedo Mask comes in and spouts off some piece of like bad poetry. Um, and I, I brought my uh, I brought my girlfriend in to watch a session because she never really seen me do anything and it was a Sailor Moon session it's like see I work <laughs> yeah really I'm not just disappearing all day and you know going to the movies uh, well, I do that too <laughs> but um, it was um, it was one of the scenes where Tuxedo Mask pops out and, and the villain was like a makeup based villain and it was like you know a long, young ladies should wear makeup and it was like this big speech diatribe couldn't even get through it it was so cheesy like just started cracking up with the director and, the girlfriend, and she was saying I'm so glad you guys laughed because I wanted to laugh and I thought it was rude but, um, but no Oh, it was fun and we got through it but um no the cons are, are really where all the shenanigans happens so it's, it's pretty fun
3: yeah
10: oh yeah cause like I mean seriously there are some
1: I've seen all of Sailor Moon in, in like the old subs and some of the older dubs mm-hmm. um, some of the stuff he he comes out with
10: it's pretty wacky like, yeah the Moonlight Knight I, I I wanted to throw him off of the building cause he was like he's like Tuxedo Mask Squared like he never has like the cool moments where he just talks or is like in action it's like non-stop poetry all the time so when old Moonlight Night merged back with the mask I was pretty chill with that (laughs) I was alright to see him go
1: (laughs) there it is there we go yeah like wow it's a weird Chair malfunction. Yeah, technical difficulties. <laughs> yeah, of course, and you could all see that on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <of
10: course. laughs> no, well there you go, you go again. Ah, you're doing, doing it with sick. your leg. Oh, you're, do it. No. you're you're like crossing your leg and you're hitting no. the button. That yeah, there that's you a go. button. There
1: there you go. Okay, go. we got all that. <laughs> I just actually. thought it was, it was like, like Alice in Wonderland oh, no. just <laughs> shrinking. <laughs> right. Oh goodness, yeah. <laughs> but make sure to making sure to keep hydrating and all that stuff, but yeah. Oh yeah. And not have to worry about these things. So, um What's what's been what's been your favorite part of this convention so far?
10: This year, oh man, it's it's the same. as the fans, you know. I, I really, really enjoy. I genuinely enjoy meeting them. I everyone's got a story. Everyone is passionate about one project or another for whatever reason. And um, you know, I I work in a passion based industry so to see the fandom come out and be so cool, so into whatever they're into that's the coolest part for me. Mm -hmm. I actually brought uh, my dad went with me to Australia but my mom couldn't make it because she's a doctor and she works at a university and um, she was able to make it out this weekend and she's never seen me do a con before Mm -hmm. and uh, (laughs) she's just walking around like wide-eyed you know loving all of the crazy costumes and all of the work that goes into it and all the people watching so uh, yeah it's been a really neat experience and it's been fun for me to see it because I've kind of gotten used to it in a way it's been fun for me to see it from her eyes you know as a newbie but she's been having a good time it's pretty cool any particularly great cosplay you've seen this weekend hmm let's see this weekend what did I see that was really stand out I all really you know that's what I love about cosplay so much care goes into it uh, I saw a guy uh, in uh, that that's a So a Guy in a wheelchair who I believe was genuinely handicapped. I don't think he could walk, and uh, he was a younger guy. And he was dressed as Sub Zero, and he, but he had like wounds all over him and like bandages, and his costume looked really good. And then he had a sign sticking out uh, from his wheelchair that said uh, "Fatality Survivor," and I just thought, oh man, how how cool, how clever was that? I, I really like, I dug on that a lot. But that was one of the ones that stood out for me. Yeah. It's got you got you got to take that and use it to your advantage. That type oh, of thing. Oh yeah. yeah, I Absolutely. mean, I've seen some really great wheelchair cosplay. This one guy was an electric wheelchair at was it San Diego Comic Con or AX, and he had built this mech around it that was like five feet wide, ten feet tall, like working Gatling guns. And oh awesome! He, you know, so he he definitely took his uh, his disability and m- made the most of it. It was it was really cool to see. Hmm.
1: And going back to like um, voice acting mm-hmm. um, Now that you've gotten a lot more of the, a- of, um, a- the anime stuff under your belt um, What would you say are the differences between um, voice acting for traditional, a- traditional American animation Those types of shows
10: mm-hmm. And then uh, Japanese, st- Japanese animation Well hopefully the root of it, the acting Sort of is the basis of it But pretty much everything else is different uh, anime, I, I found out, is a completely different skill set. Everything from not just flat matching, but you know, staying true to Japanese, uh, timing, inflection, not having another actor in the studio with you. It's definitely a, a, a totally different skill set that hopefully over the last year and a half or so I've been learning and, and getting better at and getting more comfortable in. And then with traditional animation, it's um, you have a little bit more freedom. Uh, since you're being animated too and you don't have to really go with any other constraints besides the script. So it's just sort of you and your acting partner if you have one in your imagination. And uh, you know I enjoy them both equally for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah
1: so I've um, noticed one thing with a lot of voice actors eventually they get into the ADR
10: and the writing side of that have you taken a look at any of that yet? Oh, that's not for me man. No? <laughs> like, no. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I would turn it down or anything but, um, but I I don't see myself as a script supervisor or director at least not anytime soon I, I, I come from a theater background I used to direct and I taught theater at the university level also taught at the New York Film Academy for a while and um So I'm qualified to direct actors, but I'm definitely not qualified to adapt scripts or be a line producer, and a lot of those jobs, I'm sure I could learn, but a lot of those jobs go hand in hand, and right now I'm plenty busy acting, and and it's what I grew up doing, and I love it, so I'll stick with that for a while, and then if the day comes where I I feel like I'd like to branch out, I'd consider it, but it won't be for
1: a while. They'll be like, hey, we want you to write these uh, jokes for Tuxedo
10: Mask and this. Yeah, yeah. finally. Yeah, (laughs) no, I'm all right. No, there's a couple of really talented people who do that. So I'll pass and let them do what they're good at.
1: (laughs) And speaking of talents, is there anything that you'd like to go ahead and promote?
5: Oh,
10: uh, sure. I mean... As, as everybody who knows, there's certain things we can't talk about. So, um, you know, if, if you enjoy this interview and you like the projects that I work on, you can follow me at Twitter, at Robbie Damon, or you can find me on Facebook. And I'm usually pretty good about giving updates about when things release. But things I can't talk about, um, uh, next weekend on Toonami, well, if this goes to air before that, mm-hmm. it'll be September, the weekend of September 12th. I have a guest star on Sort Out Online. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, I play Smokey Brown. That comes out uh, next month. Uh, I have a new show for Nickelodeon called Get Blake, which was coming out later in the year. Uh, I uh, you can watch me in Unlimited Blade Works, uh, sort, or uh, that's uh Fate Night. Fate Stay Night, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's on Netflix right now, and you can also get it on DVD. Everything you can get on DVD. And, um, I'll have, I'm going to be the lead in Stella Glow, uh, that comes out from Atlas. Again I here. already pre-ordered
1: that, actually. Sweet, well, that's Had, me. Yeah, I yeah. have a big person when it comes to, like, the, uh, RPGs and such. Most recent stuff I picked up was, like, Lord of Magna, Made in Heaven. Which I'm Pink also Forte. the lead in. Oh, yeah.
10: Yeah, I'm Luke's in that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> which you may have already known. Yep, I know, I was like, oh, I know all these people. <laughs> oh, yeah, good. And then, um, Tales of Zestaria, which I'm really excited about, uh, that comes out next month in October, and I play the lead array in that as well. And um, I've got a really a lot of other exciting things in the pipeline, but um, I just I don't, I don't. I think that's everything I can. I think that's everything I can talk about right now. Yeah, yeah Those yeah.
1: non-disclosure agreements.
10: Yeah, and I'll be in some. Uh, I'll be in some traditional video games too. Uh, you can kill me a multitude of ways in uh, the Division, which is upcoming right now, and uh, several other JRPGs that I, again I can't mention yet. But yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for giving us this interview
1: today. Oh, it's my pleasure. You guys are awesome as always. <laughs> thank you. I'm your uh-huh. host Philip Wesley, the My High Mouth. I've been we're here at Non Descon Twenty Fifteen. We've been talking to Robbie Damon. Damon. And to our studio audience, good night. And you are now caught up. And there you go. That is the last of the interviews, and we are all caught up on those. Um, All eight of those ones that we hadn't put out here, four that are exclusive to Radio DMG, and four that you've probably heard on Area DMG on Radio DMG versus. Again, I am your host, Will Bussley, the Mile High Mouth, and that whole line of other stuff that I said at the beginning of this. And guess what? We are at the end of this particular episode, just under three hours of content whoo this was episode 60 i guess that's uh, special for something i mean this is a pretty long episode right but yeah we'll be back with more content in the next episode so make sure that you um bookmark radio dmg make sure you whitelist radio dmg area dmg and dmg ice on your ad block and uh yeah stick around. We have much more content to come in the next few weeks or so. So look forward to that. And guess what? Until the next episode comes out, you are now
3: caught up.